Hello, welcome back to the Mr. Arsenal podcast. Um, yes, we are on a Tuesday. Didn't do this yesterday because you know what? Me and Liam, especially, don't know about anyone else, but we needed an extra day to recover and sort of soak in what happened on Sunday. Um, so we are back. We are reviewing and reacting to the, the highs and the lows of Sunday, mainly highs, obviously. And talking about how momentous this could be going forward. Um, as you can see, I am joined by Liam and Spencer today. How are you doing, guys? And are you have you fully recovered from the, the the emotional torture that game put us through? You got it first, Liam. Yeah, um, mate. Honestly, it was. It, I think that's the word. It was emotional torture for, especially the first eighty-six minutes of that game. Um. I thought we got to the point where I thought both both teams would probably have settled for a point, but I think we I think it's probably like most games at the Emirates, maybe apart from the Tottenham game as such. But um, we do become stronger in in all games in that last twenty minutes at the Emirates, and um, I think that's proven once again the amount of late winners that we're scoring there. Um, yeah, it was just it was absolutely amazing. But I've just got to put a big shout out to that back four and especially um, Bill Saliba. Um, the geezer, honestly, he, like someone was saying, is he world class? I think I'd go that far to say generational. This talent, um, yeah, he's got every ingredient to be the best centre back at Arsenal of all time, and that's saying something when you've got Mister Mister Tony Adams. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. this guy is something um, else, and um, it, the fact the facts don't lie. When this guy's in the team, we we win games. If you look at the aerial jewels there, the ground jewels, the passing accuracy, the the guy is absolutely something else. And he's just got that passion as well. Um, he loves it. Like you see the way he celebrates when the goal when we score goals. Um I I, I just can't believe that we've got him, if I'm being totally honest. You. Like when you think that we've laid down near to 30 million for him at 18 years old, it, it was probably the best thing that rolls and any done it in this at this club. <laughs> if we're being totally honest, you, like He's probably he, he's probably put. We got to put, give him a bit of credit for this one. He's probably put a, a, a guy now that's probably worth between 150 million. I'd say he's worth at least 150 million. At the very least, yeah. I mean, at the very least. And again, going back to us, obviously the loans and all that. We all thought our tetter just didn't fancy him at one point because he was constantly going out on loan, doing so well over there. And no, it turned out it just it, it was a. a uh, these lines were just for him to learn and get all the, the kinks and the the mistakes out of his system and perfect his craft as he put it, even when he came when he when he arrived, his he was going back to Zanetian. He was more of it was agreed that we're going back because I want to come back to Arsenal to literally the full package and ready to go. He did a couple more loans as we saw, as we mentioned, but since he's come back from the last one, he, he wouldn't think by how he's just come in, adapted to Arteta's way last summer, last last summer, uh, last year, and just slotted into the team like he'd been there the, this entire time under Arteta. He is a role. We say we say it every time he is the Rolls Royce. Everything in that defence. It's him, him and Gabriel, the partnership they have built. But if we lose either one of them, we know it's a drop off. But 
we saw was it, a major drop off was Saliba last year. If we kept him, we might have been the champions this year. But I mean, the fact that, the fact of the matter is, Erling Haaland, the robot, that says it all. The, his first, I think wasn't this in terms of in terms of a competitive game? I know he, I know he played against the Community Shield in August, but this was like his first competitive game against Haaland, and he pocketed him. He he gave him he gave Haaland nothing. He tracked his run. There was that moment in the second half, and Haaland looks like he's running through on goal. If he, maybe he believes it, and suddenly sleeper comes out and goes body body gym goes fuck off, get back up. Thank you very much. He's his he, ball control is fantastic. He keeps saying that his ball control is fantastic, even when he's got pressure on him. He's amazing. He's what 22, 23? This he's not even hit his pomp yet of his prime years. And he's already, as we we're already discussed him as a world class defender, arguably one if not one in the top three in the league. You've got there's no doubt about that. And I have as a bargain we got him. Raul, of all the all the cocky, all the uh, controversy comes with you and the uh, Pepe situation. Thank you for get actually thank you. You've got us a gem, and we are thankful for that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's Christ, it's it's so good to have these players. And again, I just want to touch this before we go to Spencer quickly. Um, just to say, obviously, it wasn't. The, Okay, me and you were both there. I was in block nine, you was in block eight. You were just on the other side of me, basically down, further down. It wasn't a most for the neutral, it wouldn't be the most informing game, but I thought it was, it was a mature performance from our team that we'd learned from last year. Instead of going oh, <coughs> going at them toe to toe, we actually matured and actually went, No, what we're going to hold you back, we're going to play this way, frustrate you, and do you on the counter. I mean, Spencer. Oh, I'll go back to being Spencer, and he's gone. Uh, Spencer, I was being you. What was your thoughts about obviously Saliba, but the t- but the team in general as well, and what what happened on Sunday? So for me, it was, it was Declan Rice. That's what I noticed the most, and, mm. and like his his poise on the ball. Um, and and that's the thing from watching it at home. I had the pleasure of being there. But to me, it felt like the first 45 minutes was more of a feeling out chess match. Yes, there were some nervy moments. I rewatched a little bit up this morning with Raya on the ball and distribution and, mm. and, and some of that stuff. And they wanted to bait us into these bad decisions, right? And they never happened um, outside of a couple of passes that Raya rushed. But, I mean, Declan Rice stood out to me. Saliba stuck out to me. Uh, Gabrielle stuck out to me. Um everything that Arteta picked on that team got right. Like it's everything aligned on, on Sunday. And I think, you know, it, we've come into these games and I mean, this is just going to, I think it's just going to push this team on forward. I mean, when you, when you accomplish something and you, you've got a task that you, you haven't been able to pass for a long time and you find a way to do it, it pushes you on and gives you a void of confidence. Thank God we have an international break. We don't have a game on Wednesday because I would fancy us to potentially lose it. But, um, but you know, it's it's that it's that push on, man. And and that was the takeaway I got. Um, I mean, you guys were there, so you guys were able to kind of, I guess, more sulk it in. And my wife, when uh, when they scored the the, the go ahead goal, my wife thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was so excited. Um, but it was, uh, I mean, you know, and, and what a moment, man. It, you know, obviously we'll get into the four subs and the key of that play, but I just, I was just happy to see Arteta outdid the master. 
And that's that's the takeaway I got from it. But like you guys said, Saliba, man, what a generational talent. His strides when he runs back, his track back ability, his strides are so long that he picks up. If he looks like he's going to be behind that person, he finds a way to to get back quickly. Um, and just just excellent, man. I, that's all I can say about the, the team performance on Sunday. Also, that you mentioned about his strides getting back and track. He, he makes it look effortless, though. He doesn't he doesn't seem out of breath for. It takes anything out of him. He goes, okay, boom, and he goes again. It's football so intelligence. Just, yeah. Again, he's just young lad. He's, as I keep saying, he hasn't, he's not even hit his prime years yet. He's about three or four years away from his prime. Yeah. And we're getting this from him. So imagine what he's going to be like if he stays injury free, touch wood, and he starts moving towards them prime years. He's going to be phenomenal. And we need to sign him down to an even longer contract sooner rather than later. I know, I know Benjamin's the next one on the list for Arsenal, but still. Um, yeah, we mentioned already. We're both, as I say, me and Neiman were in the North Bank, and we'll get to the goal later. But it was carnage, as I say. All I'm going to say, it was carnage on that board, didn't it? <laughs> the entire North Bank, it was, I almost off a leg, but that way. Um, but yeah, first off, as I mentioned, you mentioned David Ray and that the nerves you could, you could tell that Wednesday's a mistake, it's still in his mind, and he, he wasn't. He was holding again. Like I mentioned before he's holding on the ball a bit too long in the first half and trying to get, and he almost cost him at one point. And it was frustrating. It wasn't just me; it was other people around me. But we were so frustrating to watch. And it was like, come on, you, you, you're in the team for a reason. You're meant to be this master compared to Ramsdale and distribution, playing it out from the back. But you're just you're you're there. You're standing there, 15, 15 seconds, just whatever, or the ball's to defeat. It was just so frustrating, and it almost cost us at certain points. Second half, fair play came out different, more calm, more relaxed. I don't know what was said at half time, but cool, fair enough to him. But Liam, I mean, on the way at that first half, was you worried at any, in that first half with Raya? Did you think second half he'd come out and make you more clangers? Because he was pretty close. Be honest, he was close in the first half. I'm going to be probably quite a little bit controversial about this one. I don't think it was all Raya's fault, in my opinion. I think. Firstly, obviously, Arteta's asked his player away. I think we got we got to realise as well, yeah, right, that he hasn't had a pre-season with the team. He's mm. learning to play with players again. Like, let's be honest, he's learning to play with a whole new defence, whole midfield, a whole strike force. I thought Man City got it right in the first 15, 20 minutes. They literally did Yeah, they, they got it right in the first 15, 20 minutes. Like, if they take that chance in the first few minutes, it's a totally different game. And mm. thankfully, it was Ake who had that opportunity. But, um... I just thought he didn't have many options, and when you when you look at the first half, like this is my this is my piece where don't get me wrong, it worked out in the end. Harvard Havertz coming off the bench, but mm. against them, I would have probably played Havertz up front from the start because yeah. it would have given it would have given Raya the option to go long, and you noticed in the second half when when Havertz come on, there was more options to go long. And he started to go long. You had Havertz. Like, we know Jesus, if you get in the right ball. To be fair to Jesus, he, he was winning quite a few when they mm. were put down his end. Um, but I didn't think he had many options when he had the ball at times. And what, what, what really disappointed me was there were a few boos. Mm. I don't know if you heard it, but there were a few boos. I was in the North Bank with you. So it's in, I was in the next block next year. So I heard it as well. There's a few people around me disgruntled at some point. Yeah. Um, I think it was like five. Just before the Alvarez situation, they started they started screaming and shouting, like getting on him and all that. 
Um, so yeah, I'm disappointed in that. But as I said, it's fair play to him. He came out the second half completely different, more calm, more relaxed, and we just go with it. I mean, it didn't cost. I think the main thing you say about the options. I think the main thing was the mid. In terms of midfield, no, we got Declan. Declan was fantastic. Jorginho was good for what he is and all that. And obviously, knowing part, he knows he's, he knows his role and all that. So it's not get, get into that. But he, he was. I think I know he's been he's been mentioned in the in the chat by Luca, but. I think he did an all right job in the first half, Jorginho. Didn't do did nothing wrong, done his job, done what was asked him. But we needed, and I said this to my brother about 25, 30 minutes in, I'm sitting there, standing there with my brother next to him, and I'm, thinking, I'm saying to him, we we need party there. Party needed, we needed party on that midfield just to be in the middle for the options at the ball defeat and go. Because Jorginho and Rice, they were, pushing, they were pushing more out away from the middle of the park, if that makes sense. And it just left a massive gap in the midfield. So every time, a goal kick or whatever, there's no one there, or literally the Man City get born counter-attack in that middle, they to target that, and we needed part of to be that solidity to organise midfield and go, bang, this is what we're going to do. And as I say, for the second half he comes on and does what I what I said we needed to do, and have us, I mean, just on that, I mean, do have we, have we as a fan base now, are we are we now seeing his stronger position in this, in this squad in terms of being up top? I think it's always because in midfield it hasn't worked in terms of the pivot. It hasn't worked in the other guard role. But every time we put him up top against a community shield against City or uh, Sunday against City, uh, PSV, we're getting something out of him. Hmm. He's performing, and uh, now they've got the goal last week. I know it's a penalty, but you've got the goal last week against Bournemouth. He got an assist this week. Oh, is is this position he needs to be? Our tech needs to focus him. On in going forward, and has to have him and Zayzus in, in um, swapping in and out of that role. Basically, I thought about this this morning, and the Havertz up top, sixty-one percent of his time at Chelsea, he played in the forward role. Um, so this is the thing that I was thinking about: is like we always talked about backup for Saka. Well, Jesus can be the backup, right? If you have Havertz up at top, and then you can mm. have Enkedia roll in and out when you need him to. You got Trosser and Martinelli up there. I mean, would Tony be nice to get in January? Sure, but I think that's more rumor than it is actual facts at this point. But yeah, I would I would start to really think about Havertz up top. Um, I thought Jorginho did well, and I thought Rice did well too. There was a couple of nervy moments, but I want to go back to the Raya thing. I think Raya did good taking his time with some of the some of the actions to like to to get the nerves chilled out, right? Because there was that squirrely moment. I think the fourth minute where I think it was a corner and Declan Rice cleared the ball off the line. And if that goes in, that's the Ake miss where he sailed it over. Yeah. If that goes in, that game might have fallen completely apart, right? So we think about these moments in these games. And, you know, props to Rea. And I think, Liam, you bring a great point. They don't have that cohesion and that, that preseason formed with each other. They don't have – it's like playing a pickup game with guys you don't play with, right? You don't know where their tendencies are going to be and where they're going to be. You eventually learn them. And I think that's a good point, Ray. I mean, uh, uh, Liam, on that with Ray. And uh, hey, it there was a couple nervy moments. It didn't cost us, and I think that's the critical thing here. And a lot of times in these games, um, and if, if you look at the heat map and even how things formed up in the game, we tried to keep things central. Uh, I think they absolutely missed Rodri. I think that was a killer for them. Um, and I think if we'd have had Sack in this game, uh, 
I mean, who knows? We could have stretched them even further earlier in the game. But once Martinelli came on, it just made things more direct and more more open, and and it kind of opened the game up. Our subs helped out so much in the critical of winning this game. And Pep got, I think, got his subs wrong. And I think that was the difference. He was okay playing 0-0. And Arteta's like, no, we're going to go get this. It's so bad. I don't myself on mute there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, as I say, I mean, it's mentioned in the chat, those, the, the subs, spot on. I mean, yeah. I didn't have a, I didn't have a problem. Once I know they were coming on and where they were playing, no problem. It was, it did seem like once Pep realised we were, the way we were playing, we, they weren't going to break us down as easy as they've done in the past under his tenure. It was like he was happy to take the nil-nil because Harlan, Harlan, as I say, Harlan got nothing, didn't get a sniff in that game. He played the entire match. Yeah, Jack Greedy's on the bench as an option, never brought him on. I think if he brought Jack on, it could have been, again, that could have been a track game changer for them. But I know he brought Dooku on, but again, he's, he's new to the club, he's new to the country, he's going to have these on and off games, especially in the game like, if this, this intensity behind it. Last year's runners up versus the champions and all that, etc. Ben White had him on toes. I mean, I've saw the nutmeg on, on him was fantastic from Ben. And happy belated happy birthday to Ben as well. What a birthday as well. What a birthday to have. Uh, Professor Ben, happy birthday, but you blame Man City and you're up against some of the best players in the world. Up you go. And again, he did a fantastic job. Um, but as we mentioned, but we haven't really mentioned what we are 80 minutes into this podcast nearly. We did all, we've done all this, we've achieved this result and this performance. Without our, well, arguably one of our best players, Bakayo Saka. Obviously, I got I got a text uh, the night before saying he did he he'd been at the team he's at the team hotel, so it's more like he's in the squad and all that. And then at half three, just as we're getting out of the train station, teams come out and uh, no Saka at all. And I think that's brilliant. I, in one sense, it was brilliant because obviously Saka needed a rest. We could see him going down all the time. You know, the previous games he needed the rest. And you couldn't just play him and then go. Actually, you know what, Gareth? We can't. He's not going to go to you, even though they're even though we're going to get into that that BS from yesterday. By the way, in a minute as well. Um, this was a this this was a massive win in so many aspects because not only have we beat done outdone the hoodoo of of not beating City since 2015 in the in the league itself at home and away, um, but we did it without Saka. We did it with everyone doubting us. We were not our strongest player, our strongest eleven, if you will. We've got a full foot squad, and we did it with a referee against us again. Because again, if you mentioned in the chat, I mean, Liam, go to you first on this. Kovacic, how the part of my friends F word was a uh, Kovacic still in that pitch after the other guard challenge? That landed Dak and Rice two minutes later. I don't the consistency. I don't get it. Well, it's, it's not even consistency anymore, is it? Let's be totally honest, you. It's it's absolute um, poor officiating, and well, the reason I say that is, yeah, right. Like, I'm, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the in ground level, and I have a Man United Matt fan text me as that foul, as the first foul happens. So it goes to VR. I look at my phone, and he go, he goes, "This is a definite red. There's no way this guy's not getting sent off," and he don't get sent off. Then he makes that cut uh, foul to about five, five, two to five, well, about three to five minutes later, and M- M- Mark Oliver gives nothing. Now, if that was a Fulham player, if that was a Sheffield United player, if that was a Bournemouth player at the Emirates, they would have been sent off. Hundred percent, they would have been sent off. 
We see it. We see it with a Fulham player early on in the season. There, there is no excuse mm. for it. There's absolutely no excuse for it. There's even less excuse for it when you've got a fair arse green. But for me, I think the second one's even more shocking than the first one in terms of that you haven't just pulled out another straight yellow card. Again, we're both, again, I keep saying it, we're both there. We're in that North Bank and we're pretty much at ground level in the north, in the lower tier. You're pretty much at ground level. So you're seeing the proper impact of the challenge. Not like upper tier, you might see it from a distance or whatever. The second challenge, I mean, it's not long afterwards and the straight away, he blows to the foul, but straight away he's like, nope. No, go away. I'm not giving nothing. And I was just like, I'm sitting here. I'm thinking that's the sex. That's pretty much the exact same. We're not worse a challenge than the guard for the challenge he's just booked him for five minutes prior on other guard. And then you're going, actually, you know what? Because I don't want to ruin the game. I don't want to upset Pep and Man City. I ain't going to do it. But we saw again, we go back week, uh, eight days prior, Spurs v Liverpool, um, Diego Yotta. Got a yellow car for a foul, which was he didn't make. Yes, he didn't commit the foul, but he got the book anyway. Then when he did do a foul five minutes later, he got the second yellow and he's off. So again, it's consistency. It's like they're picking again. The officiating, the officials pick and choose. They have their favourites in terms of clubs who are, they will always be more lenient towards, and then everyone else is just like as you mentioned, Fulham, Sheffield United, Luton, us. Even if, if it'd been their way around, we know we'd be down to ten men in that situation. And I was just found it bewildering. Oh, it's so blatant. And he got fucking Howard Webb tonight with Mark Owen and Sky going through all these things again and going, well, since the since that set last Saturday against Tottenham and Liverpool, we've learnt we had a discussion, we had a sit down, da 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 da. I want to fucking know what they I want to know. I don't I don't know if they showed it tonight on Sky, but I want to know what they had discussed then on 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 Sunday side because. It just—it doesn't make sense. I mean, the fact he got away with the first time was just a booking, and then, I, and even worse, Chan is on Declan, which could have took him out as well on another day. And it's just like, don't do it again. Go away. And it's, it allowed him to obviously play the rest of his game and then get subbed off. And I was like, we know, as I said, we, we know that if that's the other way round, we're down to ten and it's game over for us. We're literally back against the walls then. But um, it doesn't help then, obviously. I was in, a, in one of my group chats with Russ. I think it's in the chat now. He put, he put an image in the group chat, a screenshot of um, yesterday, where he basically, someone done their digging. It turns out Michael Oliver had done a, ref, done a ref, uh, refereeing game in Saudi Arabia um, during the week. And guess who paid his wages for that? The Man City owners. And I'm just like, so, surely there's a something... something not Conf- right there. How can that conflict be allowed? Of yeah, conflict of interest. Yeah, how can that be allowed? It's just ridiculous. Sorry. I mean, what do you? Well, how? Well, what's the answer to to this question? Because when I when I when I think about it, I mean, Michael Oliver is the same ref in the Wolves game a couple of years ago that gave Martinelli two yellow cards in like a span of thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point when you bring up the fact that he's getting paid by the Saudi league to do a game, I want to say incompetence is probably the answer, but I'm starting to wonder if it's some nefarious, just like it's sports entertainment at this point too. Right. They always talk about this in the NBA. Like there's mm. a clip and I can send it to you sometime, but the Sixers were playing the, the, the heat in a, in a matchup. And one of the players said, we got to win by 15 tonight. And they're like, well, what do you mean by that? 
well, the NBA, do you think they want to see the Sixers play the Celtics or they want to see LeBron versus the Celtics? Right. Mm -hmm. So you do have to wonder about it. It is sports entertainment at the end of the day. So you do wonder how honest some of these people truly are. Um, Incompetence is part of it, but you do have to question it when you see stuff like that. Because you look at the way Kovacic came in, it's from behind. And it's a and it's not completely like high high, but it's enough where it's it up. Yeah, you could seriously break someone's ankle or mess up their Achilles or whatever. And mm. for them to like not for VAR to even look at it, I just I think it was a straight red, just like the one uh, last week or two weeks ago with Luis Diaz where he went up on the Fulham player. I thought mm. that was a red too. You're you're putting your studs in someone's ankle. Like if we're serious about player health and welfare, you got to punish people when they come in late like this. And if you're going to allow it to happen, that people are going to take shots later. But I, I just I thought it was shocking. I was upset and angry about it. And of course, I being at home, I could see that the angle is better. And for me, it was like that's a straight red. Yeah, um, just irritating. But yeah, again, luckily did right. That's the good yeah. news. Yeah, obviously, thank people. Other guys both deck and both got up and they were fine to finish the games and all. And no issues there. Touch wood. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just so frustrating to watch. And as I say, we in the state, and again, unlike another sport, then it's uh, Liam, Liam goes to all the home games. So he'll say, he'll back, 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 back me up on this. It's like you don't get to see the replays after the VAR, no matter no matter what the outcome is. So when we got home, I watched, I, I purposely put match of the day on, and it's even worse. It's even, as you say, you, you saw all the different angles in live. It was live. It was just so bad, and I was like, seriously. But say it goes back down to the thing of picking and choosing who that when to in when to implement the rules, the letter of the law, basically. If it suits their agenda, if you will, or whatever, it's it's so frustrating because it is one day that change is going to happen. It is going to do someone's Achilles or metatarsal. We've seen it years years ago with a Rooney and all that. Do the have the metatarsal done out or whatever? It's going to happen again and. When will they, will they wake up then? Will they start going? You know what we fucked up there. But thankfully, didn't. But thankfully, that didn't happen. No injuries there. We, we sort of, it's all spread. It's got got off, got advice out of us, but it's sort of got the players up as well. You know what? No, we, ain't, we ain't taking any of this BS. I mean, we haven't mentioned him properly yet, but Declan Rice again, Rolls Royce performance he is. All summer, all we got them down our throats was what a waste of money, overpriced, overhyped. Da, 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 da. He has been immense in every game I've watched, be it in the stadium this season or at home. He covers every blade of grass. He'll, he's so committed. And he's, the way he's just slotted into, again, going from West Ham, with all due respect to David Moyes, that tactic set up there and making the step up so easily, it seems, and seamlessly at Arsenal. I mean, I know uh, Martinelli got the man in the match in general because obviously he scores a winner, but he was voted by the... Well, the Arsenal fans and the Arsenal website, Declan was voted man in the match. I mean, Liam, again, <laughs> do you agree? He, that was a bargain in the end. Actually, 105 is an actual bargain for what we're getting and seeing week in, week out. I was on a train home on Sunday night and got to Stratford and a couple of West Ham fans come on. Um, one of them, it was quite interesting. One of them didn't have an issue with Rice. The other one hated him because he had joined Arsenal. Um, but both teams got an incredible deal out of that. Like, West Ham got 105 million. We've got a player that we've been craving for for, for so many years. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say, for, yeah, I would. 
in the I, sense I, of that he gets in, he, he yeah. comes the glass, he does the nitty gritty. I, do you know leads, what? For example, strangely, I see party more that kind of player, but mm. what because what I see in, in Declan Rice is is the guy, he's he's the glue. Do you know what I mean? He he's he reminds me a little bit like I don't want to say like Gilberto Silva because he's got more to his game now. I think he's got he's definitely got more to his game than Gilberto. And Gilberto was an, an incredible player, and a fantastic player. But I think with Declan Rice, I don't think we've we've um, unlocked his full potential. And I don't I think until we get party beside him, we won't unlock it. Now I was pretty focal that I thought we should get the number six role. Because I, I believe that's his position, and I believe that is his best position. But after Partey coming on on Sunday, when you see when you see Partey come on and do what he did just for twenty minutes, you remember like the finesse side of Partey. What well, Partey is that player that he can kind of unlock doors in different ways, and like like he did with that pass to Tommy Asu, it literally unlocked the door, didn't it? Mm. Um, and this is where I think Declan Rice we're going to unlock some some additional potential out of him. I think he will go over to I think he will go over to the left hand side. I think mm. it will happen. And this is where where we now look at Havertz and think. And I I, I totally think he's a striker. In my opinion, yeah. in my head, and I've said it from the very start, the guy is a striker. Is Arteta planning there to try and sharpen up his game to to try, to, to obviously. Build that connections and obviously work with players and all that, and then long longer term, fulfil that forward role more. Can see that definitely happening. But for me, Declan Thomas Thomas Part and Declan Rice have to play for Arsenal. When mm. when they're when when they're both fit, you can't not have them in the team, and you can't not have Martin or Martin Odegaard in that team. So you're basically looking at Party in the centre, Declan on the left, and Odegaard on the right. Um, there ain't, there ain't, there ain't, we, there ain't a team in the Premier League that have got our strength and depth in midfield. Like mm. we're talking about Jorginho being our third choice defensive midfielder. Like this is a guy that's won multiple trophies. He's won the European Cup with Italy. He's won the Champions League with Chelsea, and he's our third choice defensive midfielder. Now we see Man City without Rodri the other day. Like yeah. I don't rate Kovacic. I don't rate him. No. I, like. He's one of them players for me that we've always had a really good record against. It's like Kante. I rate Kante. I think he's a fantastic player. But for some reason, we always had a great we had a great record against Kante. And, and when I knew Kovacic was playing, I was pretty confident we'd win the game. But then you look under Kovacic and you think, Calvin Phillips. Like, mm. they're, they're nowhere near the level of in depth of what we got. And it, for me, we're a striker short from totally... And I'm gonna I'm gonna be bold here from from at least get sitting level with Man City in the in the Premier League. I'm not saying we're gonna overtake them, but we're a striker away, in my opinion, from being on level peggings with them at the very least. Because I don't I don't see I look at their team and I look at the strength and depth in, on their bench and in their in their squad at the moment, and I look at ours and it, we're not far away now. We're really not far away. I I honestly think we're a hundred hundred to 150 million pound striker away from mm. from being able to say look we're gonna we're not just gonna take you on we're gonna try and beat you for everything mm. and just with Kovacic again I've I've always said even when he's when he signed for Madrid there's a reason why Real Madrid let him let him go to Chelsea so easily you don't leave Real Madrid do not let their best players go to anyone period 
So there's a reason why Madrid was like, okay, cool, off you go, bye bye. And I was like, again, you like you, I don't rate him. I've never have. He's just again, hmm. he's just that player, he's just a player that we do well against. He's come with an FA. He came. What was it? The FA Cup final twenty twenty. Sent off in that. We won that. Like you say, we have a good record against certain players, and he is one of them. And even if you say, even as I say, Calvin Phillips. I mean, how demoralising must be for him, like. The best CDM in the world is that is that suspended and he, he still can't get minutes. And he, get, he, gets, he still gets picked by Scout Southgate, but still, it's neither here nor there. But how like you say we've I've, I say I've got to agree. We've got no one comes near us in terms of our depth of our midfield and our defence. Now our defence is it even like with a full fit squad. We've got depth in goalkeeper. We've got depth in our defence. We've got depth in our midfield. We've got depth on the left hand side. We, need, we just need to add a bit more. We need to add depth on the right to, to, for a full to, like, cover of Saka. And as you say, an out and out striker. Not, not just an, a striker, an out and out striker, a goal scoring striker, if you will. Someone could be on the end of things as a pop it in every game or every other game and pop the ball in the net. And Ivan Tony, or, or I know Ollie Watkins is something new contra, but then that sort of striker that knows where the, knows where the net, net is, just, he just gets on the end of things. Havertz, I agree. I think uh, we said in this, I've said already, centre foot striker being up top, that's the best role for him in this team. We get so much more out of him. We seem more fluid, and as I say, going we'll, we'll get, get on to that late, the goal later. But I don't if, if with him not if he hasn't if he doesn't come on because of how he plays, I don't see us scoring that goal because of how he plays. A lot of He's actually coming to play in that goal, and I again, my brother will back me up if he comes in the chat or at any point. But I called it. I said we need to have us on the top. We put have us on the top. We'll get this. But yeah, anyway, nil nil at half time. It was okay, fifty fifty. I'd say both. It was two in a frame for that, that first half. In the second half, Trossard Tross gets taken off, and it's not no, no digs at Trossard. It just. We needed someone with we someone someone on the wing, pace, directness, and because obviously no Saka, Martinelli was the option. So we got Martinelli on, and straight away within minutes of the second half, you could see straight away that we just upped we upped our game in terms of performance, and we started actually going at City, especially down that left hand side. And Martinelli nine times out of ten between him and him, and Nishi Zinchenko and him and Tomiyasu. We're having so much joy down that left hand side because of his pace and obviously he's, he, he's not afraid to take the, the the walkers and whoever else on, cut inside and he was, he was creating chances. Left right and centre, and then they come on, it swung to the left right hand side. I mean, second half, I, I will say this: I know we won the, oh no, we obviously got the goal, we won the game, but if anyone's going to win it based on the second half performance, it's going to be us because we were just more at it. We we were more hungry for the win. It just seemed they came out. Man City, and they're happy to take nil nil from half time. We'll go to Spencer first on that. What what do you make of the obviously the half time Martinelli comes on and this is the the attitudes of the, the, the contrast and attitudes of both teams? And by the way, the under twenty ones have just gone one end up against Exton the uh, John the Papa John's Trophy. So good on them. So I'll tell you what I I want to also bring up the fact that we still haven't played him with our best eleven. There's a guy that's out with an ACL injury right now that we miss. Mm. We had him in that community shield game. Um, so when I think about the game and and I was actually listening to what Liam was saying here, it's like 
like Sam said in the comments, our depth, there's options on there. There was years, you know, and look at last year, even towards yeah. the end, um, when we got slapped 4-1 at the, the Eddie had, like, you were looking at the bench, you're like, I just don't know if we got anybody that can really truly come on, who we truly trusted. And now, like you said, Jorginho is the third option CDM. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely, the more I listen to people talk about Havertz, and I'm a Havertz supporter, um, I think that's <clears throat> might be. I would like to see him play up in the nine role. I think that would be a good spot for him. Where's your um, Havertz shirt, by the way? It's an, it's an, oh, you want to see it? Because <laughs> <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know, in the summer when we were just about, we just about to agree to fee with West Ham for the Vice, Spencer yeah. here in the chat said if we get Vice, he'll get Havertz on the away shirt. There we go. See? There we go. See, a man of my word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, I um the depth, man, like that's that's the critical thing. And last year we never played them with our full starting eleven either. And uh the pivot back on your question there, I, I think about the halftime, right? And I think about that first 45 minutes and how it was kind of a weathering of the storm, um, you know, kind of feeling each other out. And I think Arteta went there at halftime and was kind of like Saliba Gabriel, you guys got hot Holland. Lockdown. We're going to make a couple changes on here because look at the, the goal. All four subs were involved in it. And mm-hmm. Rice picked out Tamiyasu, right? So, you know, Partey's ball to Tamiyasu is beautiful. He heads it directly to Havertz. And Havertz, calm and cool, coolly, not freaking out or anything, mm-hmm. just kicks it over to Martinelli, who was left wide open on the wing. Nobody picked him up because somehow we just got Man City to play like this on the pitch. Oh. They didn't really try to expand the game as much. Um, I mean, that's my thought process. That first half, it was kind of a feeling out, even though it didn't look like that on TV. I think the players were calm, cool, and collective in their head. And Arteta noticed something and made it happen. And I would have started Havertz up at the nine roll, um, but it worked out perfectly. 75th minute, they brought on, uh, they brought on, uh, let's see here, Partey, Havertz, and Tamiyasu. And it just worked perfectly. Hmm. but yeah, it, it, uh, were we a striker away from from challenging with Man City? I 100% agree with that. I just don't know. Is you always you hear the rumors about Ivan Tony, Ollie Watkins. I mean, who would you guys like to see potentially be the guy that would come in? I mean, are those the two names, or is there someone that's outside of the country that potentially you guys have your eye on? Like, I mean, I think it's a good shout. I think that's. I mean, because for me, my worry about beating City has always been our back line and our midfield. And the thing, the two names that's excited me on the team sheet, Saliba and Rice. As long as I see those two guys on the team sheet, I think we have a hundred percent chance of winning every game. Mm. See, I'm on the opinion that if you go back to the Wenger days, and I'm talking about the early Wenger days, we used to have a Dennis Bergkamp and Ian Wright. Not sorry, not Ian Wright. I'm going, I'm going too far back. A Dennis Bergkamp, a Thierry Henry, a Sylvain Wiltord, and a Carnu. I think we need two strikers. And the reason I think we need two strikers is I think we can utilise Jesus like we see him on, on on Sunday. We can utilise him on the wing. He can play on the right. He can play on the left. For me, mm. Ivan Tony, I would definitely bring into the club because I think he's a plan B. Um, I think he's someone, when you go away in the middle of January, February, and you need to hold a ball up, and you need to be able to play a certain way. And he's a bloody good player as well. I like I've watched a lot of games with Ivan Tony, and he, he he's just not a geezer who can take a penalty. He's technically sound on the ball. He's 
he brings a lot of players into the game, but he's got. Do you know what he's got? He's he's got the arrogance. And for me, when you play in that forwards position, I like a player who's got that arrogance. And I haven't seen many players like Ivan Tony who's got the arrogance. Yeah, he needs to be managed properly, and we know he's got that that waywardness in him. And it would become a. It is. It will always be a risk for playing the money for him. But I think it's money worth worth paying. Then I would still look in the summer. To bring someone else in as well. I think, like, when you think of next year, there's going to be more Champions League games next year. Mm -hmm. Um, We're obviously going to be... We're going to be in Premier... We're going to be be hunting for Premier League titles now with the squad we've got, and we keep improving for the next next round of years. And you think about, obviously, FA Cup, 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 Carabell Cup. I think I think I think there's room for three strikers, and I think there's room to be able to rotate Jesus and be able to play him on the wings if and when needed. And then you haven't got to rely, overly rely on Saka every single game. You can kind of rotate that. You can give Martinelli a rest. I don't think we need actually need to go out and buy another winger. I think I think we got the options there. I think let's go out and and get the forward players that we need. And that that's my personal opinion on it. And and about the that was sent off. We didn't need Saka to win. So Arteta now has beaten the person he's been chasing for the last three or four years since he got to Arsenal without the guy he relies on the most on the team sheet. So maybe there's a lesson learned for Arteta to do more rotation with Saka, hopefully. I mean, um, obviously he's our best player and you want him to play, but he needs a rest too. we got to manage this guy. He's 20, 20, 21, 22 years old. 22, yeah. Yeah, we, so. st- we need him to be playing for us at 30. Right, we don't want a Jack Wilshire situation where he's kind of shot at a certain age. But mm. um, I think that's my big takeaway too: is Arteta learned that he probably doesn't need to rely on Saka as much. But that's because we have a great team, and mm. it's a well-oiled team too. And that's—I mean, it was just exciting. It was a culmination of chasing City and um, them being so much better, and they look so smug too. Like especially walking off. I don't know if you guys saw the incident mm. between the, the set-piece coach and them. Um, I don't know. Just I enjoy beating those guys. So. Liam, your thoughts on that quickly. <laughs> I saw your I saw your thoughts in the group chat on Sunday. I was like, come on, here's a platform. <laughs> in terms Carl of Carl Walker and his little tantrum at full time. Well Harland and Jack. Well you do that, I, like just get Russ Morgan's comment about Tony as a penalty immersion, just for one sec. I'll tell you what, yeah, right. If he's taking the fifth penalty for me in the Champions League final, mate, I ain't got an issue. That might be worth 60 million on its own. Um, I don't think he is just a penalty merchant. I do think he's got a lot more to his game. And I think um, I, I think he would be a good player, but also a player that obviously could be a plan B. But I, I wouldn't actually say that that would be the overall striker I'd be looking at long term. Um, Cole Walker situation. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we said, and I, 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 I will say it again, Man City see us as a little brother. Mm-hmm. And we see it in their behaviour with Sinchenko. So everything's fine. Everything's hunky-dory. When they go and beat us, we'll go in and give rough up old Sinchenko, act like the act like he's the little brother, do you know what I mean? And give him a little beating. Um, and everyone goes off laughing. And Sinchenko gets a little bit wound up by it all. And everything's hunky-dory. But they're realising now that the little brother's getting bigger. And when the little brother always gets bigger, and then the little brother ends up being bigger than the big brother. And I think they're realizing now that we're, we're massive competition for them. 
I think that the, the jokes are gone now. Where Arsenal, where where we was with Arsenal, like we were, light and things like that. Yeah, yeah. We, we we're weak. We we we, we can eat. We got an underbelly. We'll get bullied. Um, and I think Man City have seen us a bit of a joke figure over the last six seven years. And to be honest, yeah, we can't argue with it. They they've beaten us every single game basically in the Premier League. Um, but I just thought their reaction to losing the game was pathetic. I thought Carl Walker. Um, him coming off the pitch hard and all that show a little bit more decorum. Like, no one likes losing, do you know what I mean? But we've taken losing to you lot for a long, long time. And I don't know what was said between him and the coach and all that. Um, but I just feel I just feel that they, they look at us as little Man City and um, I think they're starting to realise now that things are evolving around Arsenal. They probably didn't like having to listen to the North London Forever song again at, after the game. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because That's the atmosphere... Cool. Bone? That full pelt by every single fan. Yeah, absolute full pelt. And I, I, th I think I, th I, I, I actually take it as a little bit of a compliment as well that they behave like that because for me, them behaving like that means they're rattled by us. Mm. And it could be something good longer term in terms of Arsenal and Man City games because I, I, I think this... I think the rivalry is going to get stronger and stronger. We know the rivalry is going to get stronger and stronger. We're going to get better. We're going to obviously keep buying players. We're going to keep. Like I believe now that we're going to go down the road of we're not going to buy many fringe players. I think the players that we go out and buy now to strengthen the squad will be like you won't see four or five players coming into the club anymore in the summer. You'll probably see one to two, but you'll see like probably a hundred million pound player. I think the next striker we buy out of top will be a massive, massive signing in terms of money-wise. And, I, I, yeah, take it as a compliment. Take it as a compliment, Cole Walker and Haaland, all that got pissed off. Jack Grealish, apparently Ben White was involved in that again. Love it. Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I don't give a, I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit when it comes to club football about England, England players. And, like, I want them to have rivalry. I want there to be needle. Um, and it's been too nice at Arsenal over the years. Like... Yeah. We need to change that, and we are changing that. We're changing it on the on the pitch, but also off the pitch. And I, I will say as well, last thing I say, the atmosphere at Arsenal is absolutely incredible at the moment. And you tell me another ground that you're going to week in, week out, and getting that entertainment. You're not getting that entertainment at any other ground. You're not getting the drama that you get at the Emirates every time. Look, Aston Villa away, beat him in the in the ninety fourth minute. Bournemouth away, Bournemouth at home, 97th minute. Man United in the 89th minute last year. In the 96th minute this year. Man City in the 88th minute. This is the best season ticket in town by a long, long way. And mm -hmm. I am bloody lucky that I've got a season ticket because I, I, I feel for people who haven't got it because it is absolutely incredible at the moment. And I am grateful to be going every week and experiencing the football we're playing but also the atmosphere. It's totally different to four or five years ago. I sat there after we lost to Manchester United in the Carabao Cup. 30,000 fans in, in in the rematch in the league five days later. It was mm. snowy. No one turned up. The atmosphere was flat. Everyone wanted the manager out. Mm. This is... this. This is chalk and cheese. And honestly, I, I, I can't think of a better season to get in the Premier League at the moment. No, as Again, mentioning, mentioning I was there on Sunday, when... The second that goal went in, the atmosphere was great beforehand. It went tenfold. And to put to the point, my ears were ringing for the rest of, for the rest of that game and afterwards in terms of in that stadium because it was just non-stop. Then the, the noise levels rose even more. And like I say, when that goal went in, 
I mean, Liam, you're, 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 next, you're pretty much next door. It was carnage. The entire place has turned into rapture. I mean, again, going into the players going over, going over into block, block, sort of block, block, block four, block five in that corner there, yeah. and then it, all the fans jumping in and they're jumping into the crowd and things like that. The connection as well. What other club at this moment in time in England, even Man City, the great Man City, this great Man City team, we don't see them do that. They don't go off and they celebrate, but they're not celebrating with the fans. If that makes sense. Like it doesn't feel are. authentic, right? Like it feels authentic at the Emirates. Yeah. You can see it on the TV. Like just watching it from home, like I can feel the passion, the love. Like there's a connection to the club. Even the stuff in the social media stuff that they post. And like even though last year it didn't end the way it did, but Arteta's message to the fans, like I got chills watching that because there is a buy-in, right? There is a mm. there's an identity. When you're an Arsenal fan, like it's something you represent. I mean, you guys are fortunate enough to live here. I live here in the United States, so I don't get to, to go yeah. see it but it's the same thing with my local team like i'm proud to wear the emblem of the teams i support and arsenal is mm. one of those clubs that i mean you could just sense it man it, it it's it's beautiful what's happening and, and it, you can hear it on the tv so you guys that are there week in and week out making the noise we appreciate it in the states because it just it hypes us up man we just love it so i'm sorry to interrupt ryan but it was just no no it's fine it's fine it's absolutely fine no problem yeah i just love it man I love what you guys do keep it up man keep it up enjoy it Enjoy every moment. And again, because again, this is this is part of what Arteta has done since he's come through them doors. Nearly, nearly it would be four years ago in December, twenty seventh, I think it was, and he got appointed, whenever it was. But it just shows the difference where we were when he took over. He took in a hybrid of a fucking Arteta, Arteta, a new Naomi Wenger mixed team. He had to strip all that out, get rid of the core, deal with all that squad, then but also. Known the situation of the fans, sort that out as well. He's had to do so much in such a short amount of time, it's unbelievable. For this is not like he's cut his teeth elsewhere, he's cutting his teeth on the job here at Arsenal. Where the, the second well, May United again, May United is May United, but you say the biggest uh, after May United, the biggest job in the country, let's be honest. Um, and he's just done a fantastic job, and it's not just obviously him, Edu as well. I mean, Edu and Mark. Edu, thank you, Edu, for Martinelli as well. Coming from came from the Brazil setup, and obviously brought Martinelli along with you. Thank you for that. We appreciate that. May United again, actually, May United. Thank you for not taking him. Three, bit three trials he had at United, and they didn't take him on. Idiots. Thank you. <laughs> it's again. It's just as I say. It's authentic. Everything that's going on at our cup is authentic. And everyone, and everyone can dig at Arsenal for the for win the dog and things like that. I don't care. If it's building the camaraderie with the team and the, the, the players have built, not just the men, but the women's team, the academy, that they've built it, they're, they're, they're taking it on, they're buying into it. Mm-hmm. I don't care because it, eventually it's going to end. We will be winning trophies and it will end with hopefully not just the league title after what, 20, or it will be 20 years into this season. Hopefully, if we do it this year, that'd be. So poetic to do it on the anniversary of the uh, invincible season, whatever way we do it. If we can do it this season, fantastic. But also, I think it could lead. It could eventually lead us, if not this season, in seasons coming in the new format, lifting that big trophy to big ears. Because of what is being built from the ground up with Mikel Edu, and you've got to give all the all the stick we give to Cronkies, and sometimes sometimes over the years it's been rightly given because they've they have nosed up along the top, along the right way. But they've backed this guy. They brought him in after a meet, and they have backed him. 
They've given him what he wanted every window, and we're and we, there's, they're now seeing the fruits of it. I mean, to the point that every match day, after every game, the, the entire the, the atmosphere outside the stadium is fantastic. You've got the, the fans. The fans are flocking into the shop, be it in the army itself or the, the shop on the other side where the Arsenal station comes. You come out of the Arsenal station and things like that. And that it's, it's it's just a more feel. No, no one's kicking the shit out of each other as well like it was five six years ago under Wenger in the stands and things like that. It's just it's it's a far better place to be at now. And like Liam says, I'm so Liam, I'm so envy of you having the season ticket. Because that, as you say, it's the hottest ticket in town. It's been a long time since we can say that, but it's money. It's, it's worth the money now. Having the having that season ticket is so worth it now because you're getting again, you're getting value for money because money's been invested into the squad yeah. to a point where we're competing. We are competing, like it or not, out of nowhere as well last season. But we're now we're we're now showing this season the maturity in the team straight from day one. Really, to beat this season, not being the best performances. For majority of the games, but we're still getting the results. But there's a maturity that, that they've learned that you don't have to go gun ho. Like, like last year, it was more of a gun ho. We're going to just play our football and blitz most teams. This year, it's we're going to do that, but not all the time. We're going to pick and choose when we're going to do that. When we, when we go up against our rivals, home or away, we're going to use our heads for once and not go gun ho. We're going to play to our strengths and exploit your weaknesses if we can. And I think, as I said, I think Sun. I said it earlier. I think Sunday's result in and the performance itself rammed home that maturity in this team. That the players that are here from last year have that pain from missing out the title, but they've learned. Like they learned the year before, and they missed out in Champions League, and they used that pain, that agony, and they learned. They came back last year and did what they did. They're gonna. It looks, it looks like they're doing it again, and they're proving the doubt was wrong because everyone again after going, for, they thought it would be a one-off year, and this year will be top. We'll be lucky to get top four, or fifth if you want to cut the lot because fifth could be a Champions League spot if we do well in the Champions League this year. The English clubs, but we're, we're going, no, we're going, we're going no. It ain't a one-off. We're hit, we are the real deal. And going back to what Liam said about taking it as a compliment about the uh, the Carl Walker. Harland greedy situation to kick off there at full time. They are rattled. Like you say they are rattled, and I've never in the in the Man City Liverpool rivalry. I never saw that in terms of them being rattled. They called it a rivalry, but did they really kick off at each other and try to kick lumps at each other at full time? It was more paddy wally sort of. Okay, you're doing you're up with us, but we're not. We're always going to have to. Majority of the time, I have, to have it over on you, but they, I think they genuinely fear that we could push them out, not push them out that completely, but really push them out of the way in terms of it ain't going to be domestically, it's not going to be a foregone conclusion, be it in the cups or in the league. And eventually, we could, com- we could compete with them properly, consistently in the Champions League because we are, we've shown now, we don't, we don't fear, we haven't got that fear factor. That we had over the years, back end of Vengo, you know, I mean, started about set. That, that fear factor is not there no more. And for for players like Cole and Harland, who, by the way, disrespectful little prick for for the game, asked was asked by Sky, "Are you what, what have you done today to prepare for the, prepare for the game and all that?" 
shrugged it off, sort of nothing. Da, 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 da. And it's like they didn't expect. I honestly think they thought they'd come. It seems that like they thought they were going to come and just blitz us. And they got the shock, and they didn't like that. And that's hence part, again part of the reaction at full time. But they're happy to do this. They're, they're happy when they were beating us in the FA Cup or um, going up to Zenchenko and giving 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 them a good digging and all that. But it, when it's turned on them, they all kick off, and it's all end of the world for them. I'm like, I love that sort of thing. Again, it's, it's sort of a throwback. What I class as a rivalry is that is that two team going toe-to-toe for the league or whatever. And, and the, the, if there's a winner in a, in a particular game, there's a bit, there's a needle, there's a bit of stick, there's a bit of fight and the passion in it. I never saw that with the Man City-Liverpool we were. I saw that Arsenal-Man United over the years. We, we all saw that main, Arsenal-Man United in the, early, the late 90s and early 2000s. I saw that on Sunday with Man City. And I think this could be a long-term thing and... I'm I'm here for it. If we're gonna, if, as long as we win our trophies along the way, I'm all here for it. But um, whilst I've been chatting away there for the last few minutes, obviously uh, the under twenty ones are now three, two nil and now three nil up against in the uh, what's it? I can't Papa John's Trophy, sorry, in our group stage, which is, which is good, good, good. I'll get the scores scored in a sec. But yeah, Spencer, Spencer, sorry. Um, before we get into the the last knockings of that game, in terms of that goal itself. What was your? What was your? Who was your standout player? I mean, I mean, you know, you mentioned Dakram before, and we mentioned Saliba, but, but in terms of the subs that came on out of the four, who was the standout for you? Thomas Partey. It, I mean, it has to be. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I got the stats up, and I've been kind of looking at it as we've been talking and stuff like that. But it, it's it allowed Declan to play a little higher up. Um, if you look back at the goal, you can see Declan point. So he's mm. and you can see Tommy Asu. Um, was on Phil Foden, so he was already up there. And and maybe it's something they worked on in the training ground. I don't know, but that's the guy for me that just had the immediate impact that we just got more control of the midfield at that point. And even when we killed the game out afterwards, you could see um, there was just a sense of control, and they didn't have an answer for us. They tried to, 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 to uh, poach a counterattack at the end. Thank God there was only four minutes, right? Um, but – I, Thomas Partey is the one that sticks out to me. I mean, it's hard to really um, – I mean, his match rating on whoscore.com is 6.18, but, I mean, that's who stuck out to me. Um, but, you know, and it, and it this comes down to – I don't, if you mind if I go back to what you were talking about there, Ryan, culture. Culture matters, right, when you support a football club. You want something you can be proud of. And if that's just trophies, then it can be – baseless but if it's something else that it stands for i mean that's that's when you're proud of it theme right like and i think that's that that goes to what arteta is and what we've seen and i think the rivalry between arsenal and man city goes back to the fact that arteta used to be at man city and we have jesus and we've got yeah. Sanchinko. so these like we didn't need you guys we don't we don't need you Sanchinko. we don't need you jesus you're expendable and then they they found a way to beat them and there's like this like you said this little brother complex and they pick on Sanchinko, and it irritates me when i see it um, but yeah, that I wanted to piggyback on that because you're 100% right on that. Like, there's definitely we're definitely going to see a rivalry brewing, and I'm interested to see how the reverse fixture goes of the Eddie had and see if they're if if Holland decides to prepare a little bit more because right now he's at 0.0 xg in two games against Arsenal, 
with uh, Saliba on the pitch and Rice mm-hmm. on the pitch. So you better bring your A game. I think I think Saliba does his own work and just mm-hmm. both of them games just isolated him out of the game, basically. Absolutely. But yeah, Thomas Partey was the guy for me. Um, you know, obviously Havertz looked good and 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 Tommy Asu. But and then Martinelli, I mean, so I, I get I'm giving Partey the and maybe I'm being disrespectful to Martinelli because I'm looking more on that goal. Um, you know, I forgot Martinelli on that because when Martinelli did come on, we became a little bit we, we opened up, our width opened up, and if we became mm. more direct. Um you know, it's hard to pick one. I know I said Partey, but Martinelli sticks out. Um, I got to give all four subs. They just were, it was just so right. It just works so well. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I just think I've got to agree with you in terms of, the, in terms of Partey being him coming on for G- Jorginho and just being in that, being that experience that alongside Declan, just playing his normal game like he normally would before his injury, not he's done beforehand. Just made us t- just took us to another level. Gave us an extra bit of edge in midfield, which we mm-hmm. obviously did, we didn't desperately, but we just to push us a bit more of an advance in midfield and midfield battle because it was two in and throwing at that. In that second half, it was like we had to have a dominate. Then they had to have a little period. We were, when I say period, they, this is another t- thing we've really touched on: is second half we, as a as a unit, we were more. As a defensive unit, as one, we'd all track back, and do, we just do our job basically as one. And we just every off the, every player of the ball mark man marked the player out of the game. Basically, they would not. It was it was tight. It was consistent, and it was no one was getting through. It was making it was making sure they were going to have any joy. Basically, no matter even if they tried putting it down their wings and all that, we were just there, bang on it. I mean, Liam, what did you make of that? Because again, as I say, it was too, up to that. The three subs come on it. As I say, it was two and throwing back and forth every few minutes or whatever. But I don't. I just. I didn't. I didn't fear them when they when they had their possession. They they, they weren't. They, we were nullifying them at every nook and cranny at every point. Yeah, it, I think this is where this is where like we got to kind of obviously applaud the. I think we got applaud. Obviously, Arteta a little like it was a risk, weren't it? Like mm. I, I thought putting Eddie up front on on Sunday was a big risk. Uh, when when we looked at that starting team, I, I was very confident going up to the week. And when I see the starting team, and I'd already seen Trossard's performance on Tuesday night, um, and I see Trossard and Eddie starting, I have to be honest. I I sat there and 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 it was actually interesting. My actual words, to someone were. I think we're going to have to hold out for 65 minutes and then wait for substitutions mm. and then maybe yeah. go for it. Um, did I really expect at that point when I, when I threw away that comment that that was going to happen? Definitely not. Um, but it, that's how it worked out. And you've got to give him credit for that because, it, let's be honest, he knows Thomas Partey can't play 90 minutes at the moment. He knew Martinelli weren't fit. He, he knew Martinelli weren't fit enough to play in 90 minutes. So what does he do? He brings Martinelli on after 45 minutes because we all know Martinelli has got the enthusiasm. And yeah, like going forward, he changed the game for us. And I think that's I think that's what kind of stumped Man City a little bit in the second half because he was very direct. Like Cole Walker doesn't struggle against many people, but you yeah. could tell that he was worried about Martinelli. You could tell every time Martinelli had the ball, he was worried. And they were trying to obviously at least double up and come forward now, by the way. Um yeah. 
But the, I have to agree with Spencer. I think Thomas Party coming on won us the game. Um, yeah. And the reason this why... This gave us that more control. The reason why that is, 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 is there's a few reasons. Obviously, first of all, it obviously it gives Declan Rice a little bit more kind of freedom to kind of play on the left-hand side Well, We know how good... that This is the frustrating thing with Thomas Partey. We know how good this guy is when he has an unbelievable... When he has an unbelievable game, yeah, right? There ain't a better... There ain't a better CDM in the country on on, on his day in terms of performance. My issue with Thomas Partey is... And my biggest issue was that he fell away last year. And for an experienced player of his age, that should have never happened. Now... I think Arteta has lost a bit of faith in him because of it. I do think that. But I think now it's time for Thomas Partey to put that, get let, let him install that faith back into him. Because I think moving forward, when I look at this team, Thomas Partey should always be in on it. Thomas Partey and Declan Rice and Martin Odegaard should always be in his team. And as long as we got these three planned for us week in, week out, we're not going to lose many games. Like we go to Chelsea in two weeks' time. And that, that ain't an easy game by any stretch of imagination. They've hit, they've hit, they've hit a couple of wins now, so confidence is getting getting there. But then I look at our midfield and I think if we play Part A, Rice and Odegaard and we've got Jesus, Saka and Martinelli, we shouldn't be losing that game. And with the back four and the goalkeeper, we shouldn't be losing that game whatsoever. We're in a different we're in a different level, we're in a different mindset to Chelsea at the moment. Like we're way ahead of Chelsea in terms of obviously yeah. many of things, and Chelsea are pretty much a young team now trying to like build build a future as such. Like we like that game for me. Like if we don't get three points in that game, I think that's a that 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 that'll, that'll be drop points in my opinion. And then, that's a strange thing to say because I don't like it because we beat Chelsea three years in a row now at Stamford Bridge. You always think <laughs> one's going to pop up soon. That kind of stumps you, but. I look at the team now and I look at their team and I think we should beat them. I think the toughest game is going to be Newcastle. The Newcastle game no is going way, to be yeah. the Newcastle game is going to be the game again. And I think if we can go there, if we these next three games are the games we need to negotiate. I think if we can, if we got nine points out of nine out of the next three games, I think we could go all the way. I think we could go all the way this year. I think we could. I think we could. Because I think we're in a different mindset than what it was last year. I think last year, I think we found ourselves on top, and I think we kind of froze a little bit with injuries. And obviously, I think I think I think the, the jelly did get to the legs a little bit at the back end of last year. But I think yeah. if we can negotiate these next three games, and I think these next three games are massive. I think we can. I think if we can get wins at Chelsea and Newcastle, I think that will fully install the the full confidence you need in this team to move move forward. I think uh, I think that Newcastle game is massive. Yeah, I think yeah, I agree. I think the Newcastle away game is going to be is, is a bigger test for us than Chelsea. With all due respect to Chelsea, I know they won the last two uh, league games. Again, okay, with all due respect, it's it's a it's a blow pot again. It's a, it's a Fulham and Burnley. It's, it's Burnley. I mean, especially certainly just gone. It's Burnley. Everyone's beating Burnley for crying out loud. Not many teams aren't aren't winning. Um, put it that way. Um, so again, they can have their little wins against Burnley and Fulham. We're, di- we're Arsenal are a different animal to Fulham and Burnley. All due respect, home or away. And if anything, they should. I think they'll be fearing us because even if they're two results, because away from home this season in the league, we look more hungry than we do at home in terms of. We 
we believe we're going to win, no matter who the opponent is away from home. We don't we don't have that fear factor, so to speak. But I just want to go back to this comment here. Stefan saying, "Is there a rivalry between?" I think uh, when I we were talking about before, Stefan, it's more it's there's there's a there's a clear rivalry brewing there, a proper old school, like we had with United and Arsenal years ago. It's there's something there brewing. That's it's it's, it's under the surface at the moment, but it's there brewing away. I never. <laughs> For me, from my perspective as a neutral, with the with the Man City Liverpool, I never saw that little that needle, that little hatred between two clubs. Sort of within the, with Man City lost, they did they just like oh, it was another defeat. We get off and whatever. Whereas the way they reacted, there's there is a there is it's, it's just bubbling away at the moment, but it's it could explode into something. Especially if we do go all the way this year and we do turn it around and actually. Avenge what happened at the back end of last season. That's what I meant by it, basically. But yeah, um, but yeah, in terms of you know, Chelsea, I think we, I think we go there, continue our good form at the bridge. In terms of, in terms of the last few years, I think we continue it. Not, not I'll say with ease. I don't, I don't see them causing us much threat. I think, the, like you say about the team, they're, they're a young team, mainly mainly kids that haven't had that experience at this level. And it's, that's going to be an intense London derby for them, and we've got the experienced heads there. And I think the as I said about the cream, the cream always rises to the top. We'll, we will absolutely obliterate them if we turn up. As long as we turn up and do our business and play our way, they won't. Over the ninety minutes, they won't. Be, I don't think they'll be able to cope with us. So I don't think I don't see that game as being a problem. Touchwood, especially when they've got. But look at Chelsea's fixtures coming up. They've got some tough fixtures. It's not, it's not just us. They've got pretty much everyone is up there at the moment. Newcastle's, Liverpool, um, United, City, Spurs. They've all got them coming up now. Oh, it's 5-0 now. <laughs> Bloody ain't messing about today, are they? Jesus Christ. Fair play to the lads in the under-21s. Um, Stefan says, Newcastle game is huge, but Chelsea are beatable. Yeah, as I say, Chelsea are beatable. I don't see him being a problem myself. Newcastle will be the Newcastle away because it's St James's Park and they're in a bit of a high because obviously they're in Champions League for the first time this season. That'll be more of an issue, but we'll take it as it we'll take it when it comes. Obviously, game by game and see what happens. Uh, Matthew says we signed to Newcastle last round. Yeah, they're obviously yeah, but it could be I think it's be a different matter this time around. But we'll see. We just need to remember that performance. Yeah, we just we can't get ahead of ourselves in going to it. I think we've won the game. We've got to just respect the opponent in terms of Newcastle. I think we should, as long as we turn up on the day, I think we'd be fine. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a, it's it's looking good. It is looking good at the moment. It's, I, I didn't think um, start of the season would be Arsenal and Tottenham being the only unbeaten teams in the in the league. But hey, going into the going into October, uh, what's name and all that. Okay. Um, Yeah, that's what I was saying. I've got what I was saying, but yeah, uh, yeah, Liam. I've seen the photos. Where did you end up when that goal went in the net? How many rows ahead were you compared to where you should have been? <laughs> I, ain't, I, ain't as, I ain't as agile as I used to be. So, um, no, I weren't too bad. I think. I think like it was a it was it was a big oh yeah I'm gonna say it was quite a big surprise when we scored because I think as I said before the game is filtering out um in terms of obviously where we're at um 
at, at present that I thought that both teams were kind of settling for a point at that point. But I think we just kind of went a little bit more direct and we caught them out and obviously got the goal. Yeah, it, it was deflection. But do you know what? If you don't shoot, you don't score. And like we we got we 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 done exactly the same thing to them in 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 the um. Community Shield. In the community Shield, and obviously we profited out of it. I, I think the other thing for me, right, and it's an interesting thing I've, I've watched back on, is the full-time whistle. And I don't know about you guys, but do you know what, right? It was like, and I'm not getting ahead of myself whatsoever, but it felt like the way the stadium went at full-time, that we had won a trophy. Mm. It felt like that we had won a trophy, that... yeah. It was that kind of feeling. And when you watch it back, when a full-time whistle goes, it feels like you're at Wembley and you've just gone and won a trophy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it, I think it was just... I, I do think it, it's a massive, massive turning point in terms of confidence. Do you know what I mean? I think people now know that we've got over this hurdle. And like we've been breaking down barriers for a few years now. We broke mm. down the Everton barrier this year at Goodison Park. Don't even know why we've been struggling there for the last few years, but we have. We've broken down the Man City one. And I've seen you, obviously, Spence, you put about Liverpool, but I think we're going to break that one down this year as well. I hope so, man. That's I, a tough place to play. It's, it is. It is. But I think we've got a lot of confidence from there last year. Do you know what I mean? Going 2-0 up. I think the problem is, yeah, right, What like last year, I, I think... The West Ham game and obviously that game, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot, didn't we? Like going two and up in both games, we didn't defend properly. But I think with this year now, if we can go, if we can go to players like Newcastle and Liverpool with Saliba, Gabriel, Partey, Rice, just your backbone in your team, do you know what I mean? And probably either Jesus or Havertz up top. I think we go there. I think we go to Liverpool. I think we go to Liverpool and win. I really do. Like Liverpool are always going to be dangerous in terms of their individual players. Salah, Diaz. Um, not so. I still worry about Nunes, but do you know what I mean? He can he can find the back of the net. But I just think like if we defend well against them, they have got an underbelly now. They're not as strong yeah. solid in defence as they have been. I think we can go there and win. I do think we can do it. But we do like it's easy saying that, but we do need to go there and keep our players fit. We de we definitely need to keep our players fit. And last year when we played that game, Liam, we didn't have Saliba. Nah. You know, so that nah. was the hard part about that. And then of course the substitutions brought in questions. But I mean that game always worries me. And I and I understand what you're, you guys are saying on this. Like I mean, health is gonna be, I think, the biggest issue with this team. If this team stays healthy, there's no doubt in my mind they're getting a trophy, whether it's an FA Cup or Champions League. Champions League's a big one, obviously, because of our European form, but our Premier League, like there's, it's it's going to be with Declan Rice out there. Just imagine that game last year against Liverpool with Declan Rice in the midfield. You feel a whole lot more confident mm -hmm. than you did with what we had, um, and that's going to be the critical moment is making sure these guys stay healthy. I mean, that's what scares me. That's what worries me. That's why for me in, in January, I would love to see him bring in another defender because I just worry about losing one of those two guys. And obviously, you're not going to find a replacement for Saliba. That's just not going to happen. But um, Kivior is doing a business. He's doing good. Um, Tommy Oster can play center back. But that scares me the most is, is the defense because they say scoring goals wins you games, but defense wins you championships. Mm. And that's we, we've got that's that's what we need to need. We need to be solid on the road. Um, you know. Yeah. yeah, I think in terms of defense and so on, I think I think it might come down in come down to in January, depending on how far along Timber is and his recovery yeah. and rehab respect. 
if he's if he's ahead of schedule, they'll think you know what we'll take it we'll we'll risk it and sort of we'll focus elsewhere in in the squad or whatever. If he's if he's not up to scratch, they might dip into a loan or something elsewhere. But we'll play it by ear, obviously, as it goes along. But in terms of obviously just talk about the health of the squad, this is where the rotation's got to come in now. Like you mentioned earlier on, Spencer. Now we we have beaten City. We did it without the reliance of Saka for the entire game. That that needs to be the wake up call to and to Arteta to actually know what I can. I can rely on other players. I can mix it up a bit, and it keeps your again. It keeps the opponents on their toes because they then they don't expect they might expect preparing for Saka. We go, you know what? Curveball Zayzus or curveball Nelson. Nelson, yeah. Or Smith Rowe. Or, or Smith Rowe. You know, yeah, the, the options are there now. So start oh, being yeah. more give give. If you have to rotate, if you if it gets it right and rotates properly at the right times, we shouldn't touch wood. Have any issues with injuries? Touch wood. But, and that's the next step, step for maturation for, for Arteta, right? Like yeah. learning the man management within the game. Like that's where I think yeah. if he could improve on one thing and, and being constructive with my criticism, make a substitution a little bit earlier. I know he's thinking it, but he's, you know, especially when we're in a zero zero game and you need that, that push, maybe make it at the 70th minute, which I think he would have on Sunday, but the, the substitutions weren't allowed to happen based on the, the flow of play. But that's the biggest thing we want to see from him is, better in-game management. I think he can do it. I have faith in Arteta. I really do on this. And um, we've watched him grow over four years, and there's no doubt in my mind he's going to figure it out. So people call him arrogant, but I don't think he's arrogant. I just think he's confident in, in who he is, and, and, he, mm. and he's he's just a smart manager. I, I, I think some people are just haters in general because they just want to be. Um, but we've watched Arteta grow, and um, this is part of that maturation process. Like I think Matt said in the chat, Beat, beat Everton at Goodison Park. Took care of City. We need to get over that Liverpool hurdle next. So, I, I think like with the Timber um, signing, and obviously he's a big blow for us. Yeah. But you get him fit, and I think he'll be. Before. I've got a feeling like they're saying like he's massively ahead of schedule, isn't he? So I'm hoping by February, mm. I think we might get some good news with him, which will be brilliant for the rest of the season. But I like you look at him. I like I've only seen him for like. 90 minutes live at Cherry Shield and obviously the 45 minutes at Boris. And he, mate, honestly, like he will be a massive, massive player for us. Like if you put him on the right hand side, say you had him at right back, him and Saliba, you're not you're not going down that side whatsoever. You're not going down that side whatsoever, mate. Like that you won't get a better right side partnership, I doubt, in world football. That's how good I think Timber's gonna be. And I like as I said, I think Saliba's already and you've agreed, obviously, around that he's a generational talent. But you look at Tommy Asu, like, totally different player this year. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's fit now. Um, he come on. Like, I, I, I think there was good ground for him to start that game on Sunday, if I'm being totally on the show. And obviously, because I think his performances have been brilliant, I thought, against Brentford in the Cup. And me and you were watching it right. I thought he was our best player that night. Um, mm. And you just look at that. You look at that squad. And you look at us defensively. And... If we had Timber back, I wouldn't be so worried. If we had Timber in the squad as well, I wouldn't be as worried if Saliba got injured because I think we could put ben, ben back there. But the problem is at the moment, we haven't got Timber. And this is where we got crop last year, didn't we? And this is yeah. where I don't want to get crop this year. And I'm I'm hoping that Timber can come back. But it does. It still worries me if Saliba gets injured because you, you see, you see the, 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 how the the volume of how we win. But I think as well, I do think this year we've decked, if we get Rice and Party in the team, 
that would kind of lower lower the risk if Saliba does miss games. Yeah, and I think that's critical too because even at the Liverpool game, and I hate to heart back to that one, but we lost the midfield in that game. That's why it ended the way it did. And and once you lose that midfield, your back line gets under attack and under attack and under attack. And, you know, if we can get Timber back, like you said, if there's good news in February, um, I mean, this is the thing I, when I look at the Arsenal right now, we have players that can play multiple positions. And I think that's where Arteta has always wanted. Rice can play the six and play the eight. Havertz can play the eight and play the nine or the 10. Um, Tommy Asu in the Carabao Cup, he played center back. So that, and I was exciting that we got through the Carabao Cup for me because I also believe that we need to win the Carabao Cup this year to establish a winning culture and to get these guys hungry for winning trophies. And to see, you know, guys like Tommy Asu, you're going to play center back in this game. So you get more time in there, him and Kivior, and just these guys rotating and playing and getting more confidence and playing together. It's going to reap a lot of benefits. And I, I think we should be able to challenge on all four fronts this year. And also, I, and I don't mean to pivot on this, Ryan and, and, and Liam, you guys are closer to the situation, of course, with uh, um, Emerson. But what under 21s guys potentially do you think could creep into the squad, you know, later on? It's Will Walters. Is there anybody that you think we can find that we can get into the team that doesn't cost us to go 50, 60 million dollars out in the market? <sighs> I, think that's, I know it's a loaded question. I'm sorry, yeah. but I just no, think I think I, I think at the problem at the moment, right? And I think this is what we're going to face in the next couple of years with the youngsters. Is we're not where we was three, four years ago. Like if Emil Smith broke through now, as we can see, three, four years ago, he wouldn't have an opportunity. And that's probably the only risk at the moment in terms of once you start winning trophies and start fighting at the very top, and you look at the you look at the age of the players that we've got at the moment, and like we've got a good age. Like I think probably the only one that we look at who key will get replaced is probably Thomas Partey, um, which I think I reckon Arteta no really knows who he wants in that role. I reckon he's already identified what who and what that. But I think that would be the next step in terms of who he replaces him with. In terms of youngsters, I think the closest one at the moment for me is Will Waters. Um, yeah. Just for just for the fact that he has been in the squad and all that, and he has played enough. And when we didn't go out and buy anyone in at the end of the window, I thought that potentially he would come into the squad. Bit disappointed he didn't play against Brentford. If I'm being totally honest, yeah. I would have liked to seen him. When I watched the, I went to the under the under twenty one final where Ryan was there as well. Yeah. Um, he looked to me head and shoulders a bit above the rest of the players there. Gotcha. So I think personally at this moment of time, he's probably ahead of the peck, the pecking order. But then we know obviously the kid Effen, um, he's obviously probably the, if we've been on the show, he's probably the player that is, who is probably going to be the generational player out of the academy. If there is, if someone is going to come out, I would think he would be the player because obviously we've done a lot to keep him. Man City, Chelsea were all hunting him down. So yeah. He's already played for us at 15, so I would say he's probably the player who's probably got the biggest ceiling. But I think at the moment, Walters. But I think it's going to be hard for any youngster to break through now. I really do. I think we're just going to keep strengthening this squad. And you've got to be an incredible player to break into it. And it kind of reminds me back into the Invincible days, like Ashley Cole was world-class, weren't he? Oh, just a touch, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Ashley Cole was world-class. But to get come out of the academy and play for that team, you had to be world class. Yeah, you couldn't be anything less but than world class. 
starts to break into that team. And I think that's what's going to happen now with this with this squad. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to I'll have to agree on uh, on that one. I think it's going to get, got to a point now that like Liam just said that back in there, you're going to see every every couple two to three years, you'll see one or two get blooded in and brought into the into the fold and given opportunities as a squad players and had that fight for the for the first eleven spot. But it's not going to be like it has been for the last few years in terms of a lot of them. They say it'll be one or two, and then whoever doesn't make it will be either loaned out and eventually moved on elsewhere to get the opportunities and grow their careers elsewhere. Because with this squad now, isn't me with all due respect to the years back in the Wenger and you know, this isn't a mediocre squad, this isn't a mid table squad now where the youngsters of Osaka, Smith, Reese Nelson, um, probably before we sold him, McGuinness, um. Along the players along them lines, where they got the, they had, there's multiple coming through that got got the opportunity to step up and all that. It's we're diff, we're different. The culture's different. The clubs, the squad is a, a proper squad now. It's a competitive squad, borderline going forward, potentially a world class squad if we achieve what we hope to achieve with this squad. And it's like going back to you mentioned as you, Carl William. Look how good he had to be, and he was. And he, and he came when he came through. He was a left winger. He wasn't. In, he wasn't even coming in to the to that squad as a left back. He had to be converted into a left back, and he just took to it. And the fact the way he took to it, and he, as you say, you could tell straight from the off there was a player there. And it's going to it's going to be one of them things where generational tennis all get, get their chances, but the others will just be moved on elsewhere, like we've seen with Ipswich. Um, Things like that, but we'll we'll take it by we'll take it as it is. But as I say, the two I can't I can't name anyone else that's going to get a chance other than Ethan Nawi and Reese Walters. What? Because go on. Now, what I would say is though, and you've got to really credit the club and the, the academy. Is hmm. I've just been thinking that as you've been talking, Ryan, and like you think, right? There hasn't been that many players that have come out of the academy and played for the first team. If we're being totally honest, like on a, on well, a long the opportunity, so, yeah, no, look, yeah, they're all special players. If we're if we're being totally honest, I know it's a little bit different nowadays. But if you look before, yeah, right, it was Jack Wilshire, Ashley Cole. Um, yeah. And then before that, you're going, you're going way, way back to start looking at people like Tony Adams, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Paul Merson and all that kind of stuff. But what we do so well nowadays is, yeah, right, we make good money on these players. So take, for yeah. example, Joe Willock. We sold him for 25 million. We got Odegaard for 30 million. Unbelievable business. Newcastle were happy with Willock, but we went and got a player who had world class ability potentially. Do you know what I mean? At that point, um, a Wobi. We we sold sold him for 40, 40, 40, 40 I think it's between thirty and forty, 40. million in thirty and 40. forty million in the end. Yeah. Um Balogun hasn't hasn't played barely any minutes for us whatsoever. Forty million. And yeah. that's what we keep we need to keep doing that, do you know what I mean? Because that's funding these players to be able to come into the club moving forwards, do you know what I mean? So yeah. we do need to continue doing what we are with the um youth system, giving them oh, opportunities, yeah. giving them loan outs, getting them in the team. If they're good enough, they'll get in the team. If they're not good enough, do you know what I mean? If we make 25 to 30 million on a couple of players each year, gee, I'll tell you what, you'd like 
you buy it like Balogun. I know people going, oh, why is he selling it? It was a no-brainer. It was a no-brainer. Yeah. Like, he wasn't going to get into the team whatsoever. Um, he, he wasn't happy anyway. And we, we, we've we never, what have we played? We played him a couple of games ever. And we got 40 odd million for him. Yeah. yeah, barely played him basically in the first team. And yeah, 40 mil. As long as we keep doing that as a, as a squad, we don't, as a club side, we don't just go, well, we're here now and sort of neglect the uh, the academy. Mertesacker keeps doing his job. He's, again, I keep saying it every podcast. When we mention the academy, he's done a fantastic job in, as in managing the entire academy and do, turning out the talent and all that. If he can keep doing that and we keep, as a, as a club, turning out the talent, even if they, even if they don't break through here, as long as we, we can send them on for 30, 40 mil or whatever, Two yeah. X, Y, and Z. Keep keep doing it because it's going to it benefits the club in so many aspects, not just the financial side of things. But Charlie Patino, Charlie, yeah, Charlie. I mean, Charlie. I mean, it doesn't look like he's going to get a chance. Sadly, I mean, he, he looks a top talent, but he, did, he ain't going to get a chance at Arsenal now. Just the wrong t- time and not been good for him. Sadly, but you don't think there's some, a spot for him at all, though. Huh? You don't think there's a spot for Patino at all. Could be, like yeah. I think. I think with the, with the nine subs rule now, it gives you a little bit more opportunity. I think uh, my personal opinion is like every club should be expected to play a certain amount, like in their squad. On, the, on, yeah. the, on a quote on a but that's my personal opinion. Like, I think yeah. twenty ones. Pardon, from an under twenty ones perspective, like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you should have at least. I think you should have at least with nine subs. I think you should have at least, at least two. That's my personal. Like people might not agree with me, but I think like if you do that, then you support. Like you got to continue supporting the country. You like we like at the end of the day, like we everyone wants English players to come through the system. Of course we do, but it's a, it's obviously it's our national league. Like we should be breeding for our youth systems and all that. But then, and I think that potentially we should have, there should be some kind of quota that a certain amount of under twenty one players um have to fulfil that squad if we've got nine subs. Because let's be honest, when you have seven subs, it like, and you've got more opportunity now, haven't you? You can bring on five subs. It's not like you have three yeah. subs; you can bring on five subs as well. So yeah. I think I think that I, I would like to see something like that implemented into the kind of in into the league and all that. But I do think if you look at a lot of clubs at the moment, look at um, I was watching Palace the other day, and I know they've got a lot of injuries, but their, their bench was just full of youngsters. Even Man City have got youngsters on the bench at the moment. Do you know what I mean, I think a lot of yeah. clubs have got a lot of youngsters lingering around the benches at the moment. Mm. Arsenal actually seem to have the strongest squad. When you look at the bench of Arsenal's bench, we're probably, I'd say at this moment of time, we've probably got the strongest the strongest depth of squad. Yeah. And especially as you mentioned about the, um, sorry, you obviously mentioned the sport, uh, bringing on the, the talent for going for the future and all that. In five years' time, the UK and Ireland are hosting the European Championships officially as of today. So well, yeah, you need to start building and getting that, getting these players opportunities to hopefully be representing our obviously the UK, England and the UK and Ireland. Which is again, look, I was thinking today. Obviously, it's been announced today for anyone that's been living under rock today or busy at work. Uh, UEFA officially confirmed that uh, the UK and Ireland, in the, in terms of the Republic. Are joint hosts for the Euros in 2028. So not this one. After if we do one after this one coming next summer. And I was just thinking, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, some of the players that are playing now will be still. Uh, it'd be in their prime. 
Jude Bellingham. Look, he's going to be what 24, 25 in that come, that tournament comes along. Mm-hmm. Saka 26 going on 27. Smith will be 27 going on 20, on 27, 28. Sort of, we've got such a great squad now, youngsters coming through. It needs to be added on to, and obviously, hopefully, touch the wood will be hosting it at Wembley. Uh, we win that, but obviously, it's again that's that's a be a massive boost for these clubs now to start for the next, for the next five years preparing for this. Is start giving more homegrown talent more opportunities because we're, again, it's to say with the English Premier League, there should be a quote. There should be a quote in place in terms of in the match day squad. In, in terms of like the eleven and the bench, it should be about you should be looking around for in the actual match day squad itself. That's eleven and the bench. You should have at least five homegrown players in your match day squad. No if buts or maybes. Again, we're proving that we've, we the the facility facility facilities are there. I mean, Rico Lewis, I know they didn't play well. He, he came off the other day against us, but he's one Foden. Came through. Obviously, he was given the opportunity. Eventually, he took bled in, in and kept giving the opportunities. More clubs have got to do that now. We can't keep going down this route of looking outside of the uh, the UK or in England, for example, and just buying the next the best the next best thing out abroad. You need to start touching yeah. home, touching home now, because otherwise, if we go back down the route of just bringing in foreign imports of all due respect to the foreign players and again we've got there are some great ones out there but it needs to be balanced out properly otherwise after this generation this generation of um, for example from England point of view this generation of the England squad once this phases out we're going to be screwed basically about the square one what we were under Capello for crying out loud and I don't want that but, um, but yeah uh, we'll go on set Chris says the FA refused automatic qualification for 2020 day. I've not seen that or heard that. Nothing's been, as far as I was aware, nothing's been decided as of yet on that side of things hmm. in terms of who's qualifying for what, this, that, and the other, in terms of automatically as a host, because there's obviously five spots otherwise given away for free. So I think they're, they're going to work it out where two or three get automatic and never two or three respectively have to then qualify or whatever, but they haven't, they haven't confirmed what they're actually doing. So that's good. I've not heard this yet, Chris. So I'll look out for that later. Um, but yeah, I mean, what do you make of this? Uh, the news today in terms of the Euros, sort of diverting away from the, the Arsenal game and all that, and Arsenal in general, just touching on that. How big is that? Obviously, especially after the uh, what was the fiasco of the Euro, the Euro final in 2021 with all the uh, hooligans, so to say, bomb oh. ram raid in the stadium and things like that. Merely, yeah. Uh, go for Liam first. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought that might damage us to be fair. I'm quite surprised that they've um gone with us. If I'm being frankly on the show, but like after that, it was a bit of a disgrace, weren't it? And a nightmare mm. situation that final. Um, I don't think it kind of helped really that obviously it was COVID times and there was only 60,000 fans in the stadium, but obviously it's good news that we're holding it. Um, and it's something to kind of look forward to. I believe that the England English FA want to continue to qualify in it, don't they, to remain competitive. So yeah. it, it kind of shows how confident we are in terms of our squad and everything. And if I'm being totally honest with you now, when you look at, obviously, 
the generation of players that are coming through, like obviously Jude Bellingham, let's be honest, there's another generational player for you yeah. at present. Um, England should be winning a tournament yeah. over, the ne- over the next four years, in my opinion. Um, yeah. The only thing that holds us back is Gareth Southgate, in my opinion as well. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it's about how he kind of manages in-game tactics if if, if we're winning or in a game going into a, a final because we've seen what's happened against Croatia back in the World Cup of 2018, but also Italy in 2021. Um, where I think if he had made tactical changes, we would have probably definitely got to a World Cup final, but also definitely picked up a trophy. We should have picked up the trophy against Italy. Home advantage, it was a big it was it was it was gutting, wasn't it, at the time because we we should have won that tournament, if we're being frankly honest. And um I just think that we're in such a good situation at the moment, England, in terms of the players that we got coming through, the players that are playing. Um I just think that we should be doing something special and like I look at even the Euros next year. I think we should be realistically looking to get to a semi-final final again next year. And then, yeah, well, well, you really, minimum should be final, shouldn't it? The only thing that kind of stops that if you can't play France. And that was the only thing that knocked us out in the World Cup was France. Like, they're probably the only team that I look at and think, oh, do you know what I mean? Like, it's a it's a 50-50 toss of the coin. And that's what he'd become in the end, didn't it? It was a toss of a coin and um, came his penalty. But, and obviously... I'm not, I, did, I didn't want to throw that in there, um, but I thought I would. Um, but, yeah, I think it's great news for the country. I think it's great news for the FA. I think we have got the, probably the best stadiums in the world, if we're being totally honest, yeah. I think it's... Do you know what the interesting thing is? I think it shows, yeah, right, the level of unbelievable stadiums that we have got. Like, you'd have never would have thought 10 years ago that Tottenham would be hosting um, the, the Euros. Yeah. Everton will be hosting the Euros. Do you know what I mean? So it just and you got no old and Man City, so you got no old Trafford. No, you know what I mean, no, you've got no, no Anfield, no Emirates. So it just shows you how many incredible stadiums there are, and we are probably best equipped to kind of hold hold national tournaments. And I think it's been a long time coming. I think like really, we should be looking at a World Cup. When are we going to get a World Cup again? We got it. We'll dig, we'll dig down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Probably not. We sort of had it in 2018, but um, yeah, that's that. There's Netflix documentaries I can talk about all. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch that just before the World Cup last year. I was like, yep, all true. Not surprised. Cool. We move. Yeah. I mean, we've got the World Cup in 26 here in the States. And um, you had it in 94 as well, didn't you? Yeah. Like, 94. yeah. We're such a massive 66. So, I mean, that's the thing, though. They were such a massive country, and, and like, there's so many, like, other sports that have stadiums, right? Like, and it's, I don't know, like, it's a, the L.A. market, the New York market, and all these different markets that, I guess, you know, well, look at look at the, the Arsenal America tours that happened during the summer over here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, I mean, it's, we're, we're owned by an American, so it's, like, there's such a money, pay, and, like, we'll pay, like, us Americans, like, we're, we buy a lot of the shirts, like, it, it you know it is what it is it's a big mm. it's a big moment like i'm gonna try to go to a group game i don't know if i'm actually gonna make it to a u.s game because what's gonna happen is like the rich people will get the tickets and that's just mm. what happens and um you know me and i'll probably I'll, i don't care i'll go see a group game i don't care if it's 
Turkos versus whoever. I just want to say that I went to part of the World Cup game at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think it's it's big for you guys to get the Euros in 2028. Um, and I and I listening to you guys discuss your youth movement and where your concerns are after your this, which it's kind of like Croatia, right? They had their golden generation, didn't really win a lot. In, in, in England, you're kind of in your golden generation. You know, you, you talk about the 66. You guys are more versed on this than I am, so correct me if I'm wrong. But, you know, you are worried about what's next. And then look at the U.S. We're kind of in our golden generation as well. Um, our issue is, like, we don't have a striker. Everything else is pretty decent on the pitch. We've got a lot of good young players, Musa, Tyler Adams, all these players. Um, so, you know, for us, you know, Balogun's potentially a striker, Ricardo Pepe. Um, it is – but, but – but but growing your game from home is so critical. Um, mm. And it's and your culture in England allows for that to be grown. Like it, it's what your kids do in America. Mm. A lot of our soccer, or as we call it over here, it's pay for play. So all these club yeah. teams, it's a lot of money, but um, it is exciting for you guys. I'm really happy for you guys to get the euros. Like I said, I'm not an English fan, but I do watch the games and I do, I do hope for England to do well. So I'm, you know, I'm not one of those guys, but um that is good news. I was shocked Emirates didn't get a game though. I was kind of that was kind of shocking to me because it's in the middle of London. I get Tottenham's got the stadium, and you know the NFL loves going to Tottenham to play and whatever. Um, but <laughs> it's it's good for you guys, absolutely, it's absolutely, and you guys should win <clears throat> win next year too in twenty twenty four. I don't see why not. In terms of the, in terms of your comment about England, we just, just to put it out there, me and Neem, me and Neem aren't fans of England either. We are Southgate's in charge. If you watch the last the last the last watch along against Scotland, yeah, just I popped in late in that one. I popped in yeah. late. So now um no, yeah. in Southgate again the, the, uh, we've got a fantastic squad. Let's not get it twisted. For the, yeah. this genera- this generation of players we've got it's set up we've we've got there's no excuses why we can't win something, if not yeah. both. It's just down to the manager at the moment. He's he's just tactically not got us over the line yet so far. Hopefully, this this uh, Euro's coming at, in Germany on an, on enemy territory. Sort of spurs us on a bit more, especially with Kane being in Germany this this season as well. So he'll have no reason not to have adapted to the to not just the culture, but the, the weather over there or whatever. This that and the other and knows the stadiums inside out, the the, the cities, etc. So we have no excuses for us. As far as I'm concerned, there's no excuses for us not to get to get to that final and. and uh, Get over the line this time in terms of what happened for obviously three years ago because of 2021 instead of 2020 because of the pandemic and all that. But in terms of the 2028, I think, as I mentioned before about Saka, wouldn't it be poetic, no matter what happens in the next Euros, wouldn't it be poetic if, as a you know, we're co hosting it, if we get to the final of that one at Wembley and there's a moment where there's a, pen, there's a penalty, he takes it. And wins us the Euros, and you look back to the last time we hosted mm-hmm. it in twenty twenty one. In the space of seven years, go back seven years. That that pain takes it and goes. You know what? I'm I'm a more experienced, established player now, potentially world class. I'm your man. I'm gonna get. I'm, I want to get that ghost out the Coliseum. That would be the ultimate. From again, from, not just from an Arsenal fan, but as a England fan, the ultimate. Sort of fairy tale turnaround from a 19 year old boy in 2021 to a fully fledged man, and to have that fairy tale ending and 
righting the wrong of what happened. That would be, for me, fantastic. It's kind of... I, I don't know if you want to hear this. So Here we go. Here we go. It's nothing to do with England, <laughs> but this is going to rattle you. This is going to rattle you before the end of the show. Um, I've just been strolling down Twitter. Um, do you want to hear the excuse from Howard Webb why um, Kovacic didn't get sent off? Oh, please. I, I, I was, I was going to ask, but I didn't, I, didn't see, I didn't know they touched on it, but go on. Mike Oliver doesn't want to have a negative impact on the game by overreacting. Howard Webb admits Manchester City's um, Kovacic was extremely fortunate not to be sent off against Arsenal. <coughs> so, again, going back to what was it, a few weeks ago, um, Mike Dean doesn't want to upset his best mate, basically. Doesn't want to upset the flow. But literally, six, seven, sorry, eight days prior, they were quite happy to upset the flow of the game with, with Diego Yotta. I think that just tells you everything you need to know now. Like for me, Howard Webb, I, I thought Howard Webb would come in and do something different to Mike Riley, but yeah, you, you're putting yourself he, fair play to him. He's putting himself on a platform while going in front of the TV. But in my opinion, you're just making things worse now. Like you're blatantly saying that the referee should have sent him off, but he doesn't want to send him off because he, he's worried that he might overreact. Now, in my opinion, I'm glad he didn't get sent off. Do you know that? I'm actually glad he because, didn't get sent yeah, off. Yeah, the implication would have been down. No Rodri, no De Bruyne, 10 yeah, men. 10 men. So it, I, I believe that him not getting sent off set us up better longer term in terms of how we won that game and how we'll come out of that game. Because you could imagine, Jer, right, if we had gone and won that game 2-3-0, yeah, right, with them 10 men, that we that's all we'd have ever heard. You can't beat us with 11 men. Etc. Etc. So I think it was good news he didn't get sent off, but I think this exposes it these guys even more that they're just incompetent, isn't they? They're just incompetent, and what they're saying is is basically they're influencing games on what what the game looks like, and that's why I was saying if that was Arsenal Sheffield United, the Sheffield United player would have been sent off. Yeah, there was there was a word I said earlier, guys, entertainment. Yep. And at the end oh, of the day, it was, well, I mean, and I hate to say it, but you know, this is. You know, it was the biggest game of the weekend. They were running ads about it. We were getting it over here in the States. Yeah. You know, I'm talking to college football games. Hey, Arsenal City, um, watch it Sunday on Peacock. It's, it is, and I hate that it's like that, but I also wonder if it's also one of those uh, situations where, you know, Howard Webb's like, Michael, you screwed up. We're not going to throw you under the bus in front of the public, which, you know, fix it for next time. I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you, Liam. I think there's some confidence. I think there's a level of entertainment involved in it. It's just kind of unfortunate, but like you said, if it had been ten men, like my daughter came up from school, so like you know, there's there's the city fans at her school because they're young kids, right? So that I ran to a a, a guy I went to high school yeah. with. I ran to a guy I went to high school with Sunday. He's he's coaches uh, Chesapeake United, and he's a city fan. His kids love city, so I kind of roll my eyes a little bit, right? Whatever. Um, but you know, the first thing that the kid told her, oh yeah, we didn't have Rodri. I'm like. There's always excuses, right? And at the end yeah, of the day, we didn't have Timber, we didn't have Saka. Like, I, I, you know, it, it's it, it it's kind of one of those deals. Like they did it eleven on eleven, and at the end of the day, we know, and those players in that locker room know they beat Man City on Sunday, and that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what Talk Sports says, the BBC says, Twitter says. Those players know they went toe to toe with Man City, and they beat them. So yeah. Yeah, and, and we we said back in August after we beat the community shield. No matter how 
we beat them, and we did obviously we did beat them on a community shield. But no, no matter how we beat them, it was, it, was, it was huge to do it on that day because psychologically, players now know one way or the other we can we can compete with Man City, we can push them, we can beat them, mm-hmm. and I think that had a mass, that had a massive impact that game in August in on Sunday's game because as as I say, different game plan. We didn't go gun ho like we've done last season, both home and away. We didn't go toe to like swashbuckling like you attack, we attack, you attack, we're gonna do this, outscore you, whatever. It was a it was a mature performance from this from this young group of players still. And they are still a young group of players compared mm-hmm. to Man's the experience of Man City. And I don't care what they, they everyone all these Man City fans, the United fans, are bloody oh, what was that one that oh, his name now? Oh, copy his name. He did a what? He did a what? There's a clip going around where he did a watch long and um, I think it was Rance. I think it was Rance, sorry. And he's sitting. He's a, this is a Man United fan, by the way. If anyone doesn't know, he's a Man United fan, and he was disappointed that his rivals in Man City were about to lose to Arsenal. So shows you the levels of where things are. But look, it is what it is. And again, you hear the excuses. Oh, they didn't have Rodri. They didn't have a De Bruyne. And, this happened and that happened again. Go back, sorry, go back to our 11. We didn't have Saka, Timber. full stop. He wasn't available at all. We had no Saka, period. Martinelli wasn't fully fit to start. He came on, made a difference, part of making a difference, but he didn't start. And we had contact, we had Eddie crying out loud. And by the way, that's that's the answer. Uh, um, that's question about oh, once Kane goes, who's our, who's our answer? Eddie and Ketia, no, Southgate. Um, we didn't have Partey in our midfield. We had George, it was our third choice in our, we had our third choice midfielder alongside Declan. We 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 were weakened as well. We we wasn't a, we wasn't we didn't have a full, our full assembled full fit squad available. It's just what suits the agenda of certain people, but I don't care because my team won, our team won. Yeah, we're t- I don't care what that I don't I don't care what the league table says. We're top of the league. Oh, they've got they scored two more goals than you. I don't care. We're the top of the league. We've got Chelsea next. We'll, we'll as I say, I think we'll I think we will beat I don't I, don't, I won't say blitz, I will we will beat them though at the bridge. I just think the experience our our cream will rise to the top and they will suffer for that basically. And and Astrid just can have a little bitch fit over that as well once you've got a black eye and thrown through the table and all that crap. Um Eventually, Tottenham's bubble, Tottenham's bubble will burst. I've, I think, in terms of title race, it's going to be a three horse race between us, Liverpool, and City. I think Liverpool will just fade out in the, in the end and go third. I think, again, I think I said it since the summer. The second we signed Declan officially, I said I backed us to win the league. I think we are doing what we need to do to get over that line. And nothing this season. You know, the performances haven't been great. To our season standards, but maybe they have been just that we're just they've just been more mature and they're not going gun ho so early on and they're just easing themselves into the into the season, building up. So come January, February, the business end, they then just burst and kick on from there. I'd rather them do it that way than go didn't do what we did last year. We we did we did in o two o three burst burst into the season, blitz it, and then fade away in the end. And cost us the title. Standards have raised. That's what it comes yeah. down to. Yeah. Our expectation for this team is higher than it was five, six years ago. So I mean, yeah, you're right, Ryan. It's uh, yeah, like, like you say as well. They 
that Man City did have a competent CDM, but he doesn't get minutes. Even when the best CDM isn't available, he doesn't he doesn't get minutes. So. He played Silva at the sixth position, which yeah, I don't. I mean, he played right back with the Emirates last year and should have been sent off. That's another one he should have been sent off because yeah. he kept pulling Saka down. So yeah, yeah it's. You're right. You're 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 banging on what you're saying. It is literally all about entertainment, isn't it? He's basically been told, he's basically been told, old hat Mark Waller, before he's gone out. Yeah, right. When he's done his briefing and all that, don't send anyone off unless you 100% absolutely have to. Do you know what I mean? Um, because it is on TV. There's it's it's it, it's the biggest game of the weekend across the whole world, isn't it? Arsenal Manchester City. It's getting yeah. watched, watched across every country in the world. Right, you can imagine the revenue that's being 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 made at that game, and they're basically they're basically picking and choosing what games to be um, lenient in and what games not to be so lenient in, and it's it's not right, is it? It's not right. It should be down the middle, and you can I you I fully understand that when when I have fans say to me that was sport lesser teams, we get decisions given against us that are different to what a, high, a higher placed team would get, and when you see that. You can't not disagree because the Fulham player does much less and gets sent off mm. against us. He gets sent off. Let's talk about Tommy Asu, for example, at Crystal mm. Palace. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, just don't get me started on that crap. Bloody hell. Do you know what the word about it is? Is and this and this is this is the difference between American sports and, and English sports. You guys have relegation. Right. If a decision yeah. goes against the 17th place team and they lose three points or two, that costs them millions of dollars. And they get sent down in the championship and potentially could hang out in the doldrums, as I call purgatory, for 20 years trying to get back up. That's the problem here. Either call the game fair for all 20 teams or just just admit it, you're corrupt. I mean, that's that's the problem I have. There's an impact on every single team that, you know. When I first really got into this, I, I think about all oh, 38 games, you know, you missed three points in the big deal. That's it. We lost to Man City by five points last year, but we just picked up three that we lost last year. All we have to do is go to the Etihad and we picked those two back up, and now we're neck and neck with those guys. Hmm. So every game matters. Um, I hate this. I hate to bring up that it's entertainment, but it, it, I don't know. Wrong. I don't know if there's an answer. You're you bang know? on. You're bang well, on. Literally, what was all everything's been mentioned tonight just literally popped into my while Liam was talking before as well. Remember that referee, Mark Halsey? Yeah. Years and years ago, he, he, had, he had a health scare, came back and all that, and then retired a couple of years later. Do you remember there's a, there's a, there's a thing going about a while ago? I was just found it now, where he basically he, he denies it now, but it's out there, word for word, verbally wise. And I've just got it up now. I'm going to read it out to you. It says, this is what he said. This is what he said a few years back about the PGMOL, right? I have, he, this is his words. I have been in this, that situation when I have seen an incident and been told to say I haven't seen it. To be fair to the FA, it's not them. It comes from within the PGMOL. It doesn't stop there. We've been told to give certain a certain amount of corners or throw-ins, fouls, bookings, etc. The Premier League is rife with spot fixing and bias towards certain clubs from the FA. Every referee in the Premier League could be in the front could be in front of court one day soon. 
I know, as I, as, I, as I say, he has denied, since this has come out, you know, verbally, audio wise, is out there. He has said it. He denies saying it, but that is what he said, word for word. And we fast forward, that was, yeah, it was years ago, and we've now fast forward, and it's not getting no better. Uh, you mentioned before, you think of Howard Webb coming in. I mean, in his refereeing days, Howard Webb was called May Knight's 12th man, 12th man for a reason. It's no coincidence. Since he's come in this season, this season alone, just starting this season, match day one, sort of been a penalty at Old Trafford. Does it go? It goes. It goes for Man United. I'm sorry, that has the, 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 the apology letters are fallen flat because it's too regular for every club now. But I was, in one sense, I'm more surprised. No, because yes, he had a good rep over there. He was doing what he was doing over there. Um, MLS version of the BGMO is doing what he was doing there, but he's just come back and he's he's brought he set he forced by force he, was, he sat John Moss back in March when he, when he forgot to put the lines in, forgot in averted commas, um, against Brentford between, between Brentford and Arsenal at the Emirates. He then after that waits five to six months and just on the eve of the season starting this season. It, it leaks out that he's bringing John Moss back to train the, the referees. The guy that forgot that retired, then went into VAR to be the VAR official. Forgot to put lot forgot to put lines on the screen. Lee Mason, you didn't have to sack public, publicly back and then sack in the end because of the back, backlash that game. You've decided to then bring back to train the officials. It makes it's just bizarre. And in that sense, um, again, it's just one old corrupt bastard replacing another corrupt bastard. There's been no difference. I mean, we all, we all dug out the other guy, I can't remember his name, the fucking old Trafford, 50th gone trick, um, I can't remember his name. But we, we all dug him out. All these of all these, but how do I, it's got worse. It's going to get worse because it's, it's the old, it's the gentleman's club, it's a gent, the old. The old northern connection, they're all protecting each other. Best mates, best mates. And Mike Dean, we a few what was it about two months ago came out and said what he said in that podcast with Simon Jordan that last year he didn't want to he didn't want to flag up a, a foul red card offence on on Kukulea to to the match on the on field referee because he didn't he didn't want to throw his, his best friend on the bus and make it, and force him to make a make a decision basically. And then literally got, and then he had a phone call the day before going back on Sky, and then suddenly he changed his tune in terms of how he worded it. It's, not, it's as corruption that's fine, and Howard and Howard Webb is running the line, and basically anyone that steps out, he's on the phone to him later saying, "Change your wording, change your statement, or you or you off to you off you off to PG PGMOL." Basically, I mean. The, I've said it time and time again about ref watching this in the UK on Mondays at eleven thirty in the UK. There's this segment on Sky called called Ref Watch. They get Dermot Gallagher in a former Premier League ref for his opinion, but it's not. He's he's he just comes in and goes and reads out the, the party line for, for for that match weekend, and it's just boring. It's just personally, it needs to be a complete clear out. How do I, I know I know he's just gotten the job, but as I say, he's corrupt. Don't get anyone. Anyone says he needs to be beamed off. The whole system needs to be eradicated, and we need to basically get competent people in to run the a competent, a competent, 
management in to run it all and bring on the next generation of officiating and actually get them to a standard where it's better. We should not be sitting here in 2023 with the technology that's been forced down our throats basically since for the last four or five years in VAR and having more controversy with the, with, with using tech than we had when they, they didn't have the tech. How does that work out four or five years down the line? Everyone's got pretty much tech now in, in domestic leagues. Yeah, you yeah you get the odd error here and there, but it seems that England only only in England where it's constantly every week there's always an issue. And I keep saying, people keep going, oh scrap fast, scrap fast, scrap fast. The technology itself isn't the issue. The issue is the people with hands, a heart, and a pulse that don't know what they're doing. They're incompetent. And until that changes, things won't. Everything else won't change, but. I mean, Russ, I mentioned Russ before. He says Oliver was refereeing the Saudi League a few weeks ago where he, where, who were his bosses? Oh, yeah, the Man City owners, not dodgy. Oh, is it? And he got, he, he gets picked a few weeks later to officiate our game against Man City. And then obviously, as you said, Howard Webb now is, is, is protecting. He's, he's just protecting. And again, he's, I've said it before the, the, the emails of the statements, the apology statements, whatever. They're falling on deaf ears. It's just, it's, it's too regular now. It's not like it's, it doesn't feel genuine. Genuine. It's just a thing to sort of set everyone up, sort of thing. It just pisses me off. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's really hard to. I, I think with the bar stuff, and I think what makes it highlighted so much, Ryan, is bad calls happen in game. Then you give someone technology to. To, to fix up where they screwed up potentially and they still can't get it right. That's what's even harder to accept. I mean, <clears throat> life is not perfect. Let's not get ourselves here, but some of the stuff just like we can, you can deal with things going wrong in your life and things not working out at your job, but these guys, it just, you know, I didn't, I, didn't, I know you probably didn't want to go down a ref line tonight, but when you, you yeah, hear, a, like we hear a statement like Liam wrote out earlier, it just, it infuriates you because it confirms a lot of the biases people have. Like I put in the chat, MLS, Messi League Soccer. Mm-hmm. You give a guy in your country a percentage of your TV deal, and you want to tell me that the refereeing in the game he's in is going to be fair? Now, they didn't make the playoffs, but let's not kid ourselves. Next year, they're going to kick on and probably be one of the top three teams in the league just yeah. because they'll get more money and they'll, they'll bend the rules for them. And then another thing I put out in the chat, EFL one was, is, is, is sponsored by Skybet. They tell you to go yeah. gamble responsibly, responsibly. The NFL over here runs commercials about them. Uh, we have a, um, a script. They make jokes about the NFL is scripted, but like, what are we doing? Like, so I, I don't know. Are we getting too worked up about something we potentially don't have control about? That's what my concern is also. And at the end of the day, if we just kind of remember what it is, what it is, and you can't accept the fact, but if the if the powers that be won't come in and, and correct it for us, I mean, who who do you turn to to make these things right? Do you really want government involved in it because they can't do anything right? Not you, know what I mean? no. you know what I mean? So what what what's the what's the recourse? <coughs> you know, like the, the TV deals yeah. that might be that might be your answer. You know, the networks yeah. coming out and saying, hey, y'all need to figure this out. You know, it's affecting our bottom line. I don't know. It's a hard one, man. It's a hard one. Yeah. yeah I think 
I think the problem. I think the problem. I think the problem is, isn't it? Like we're not seeing improvement. Like if we were seeing improvement, where you could sit there and just say, "Do you know what? Things ain't going to be right at times. There's always going to be something that creeps up." Like I don't, I don't get how they can pull back the Liverpool golf. I'm being totally honest. It was a couple of seconds, but you just have to. I guess you just have to kind of accept as such that there was a raw law that they couldn't overrule. But then yeah. they literally overrule laws each week. They're literally overlaw, overwriting a law in terms of not sending Kovic off because they they basically want 11 against 11. And, of course, we all want 11 against 11. No one wants a 10 against 11. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're, we're pretty happy now that we beat him 11 on 11 because it, it means yeah. much more than what it does. So everyone does want 11 on 11 and let the best team win. But... The problem we got at the moment is there ain't improvement. It's getting worse, not better. Do you know what I mean? And for me, as, as Ryan said, like the moment Lee Mason allegedly lost his job, and I will say allegedly lost his job mm. at VAR, he was told basically, and let's be frankly honest, look, we, let, we, we need to let the land lie with this one. You've made an absolute massive boo-boo for whatever reason. And uh, don't worry, you won't be doing this again, but there'll be another role for you by at the end of the season. And then mm. you've got this guy who no one's got confidence in training up the new the new refs. And it's just like a conveyor line, isn't it? And it just continues and continues and continues. So like Mike Riley, Mike Riley goes, he was pro-man night, unbelievably so. We see it in the 49th game. Yeah. He goes, and you got Al Webb. Well, he was another one, weren't he? And even Clattenburg. Like, he, yeah. was, he was exactly the same. He was seen in the... um. 2016 FA Cup final against Crystal Palace, talking to Alex Ferguson for the game. They should have had a blatant red card for Chris Smalling. Never happened. Why didn't it happen? Because it was Manchester United, do you know what I mean? And they're all they're all buddies and all pals. And it's never going to change, in my opinion. And what they've done now with VAR is they've actually made the refs worse by bringing VAR in because the refs weren't the refs weren't good anyway. But now the refs don't make no decisions. And Howard Webb's basically admitted that. The referee is not going to make a decision unless he 100% has to because it's the game, what game it is. So they're basically, they're basically admitting there, right, in my eyes, that the first the first, the first foul they, is exactly the same. They didn't want to send him off to make the game 11 against, the te- 11 against 10, so they just deemed it a yellow card. Now, me and you both know, if that was any other game that we was playing... Arsenal, Fulham, Arsenal, Palace, Arsenal, whatever, that team would have been down to 10 men. Yeah. That team would have been down to 10 men. And it, it's never going to change. I, I just don't see it changing. And how Webster, he can come out on TV and say what he says, right? But they're actually digging themselves a bigger hole every time they come out. And that's the problem now. They're digging themselves a bigger and bigger hole. Mike Dean going on TV. What they're actually doing now is they're trying to get on TV and and and, and explain these decisions. But they're, they're, they're literally building themselves a bigger hole, bigger hole every time. Mike Dean, week on week's building building himself a bigger hole. He's building the the the, the 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 referees a bigger hole and in my opinion Mike Dean is on Sky because because how Webb's asked him to go on there yeah he ain't been sacked from VAR he's basically being enrolled to go on there to be their voice yeah I mean I mean touching on touching on that did, did anyone see the uh, Paul Merson versus Mike Dean on Saturday <laughs> I mean Mike Dean for, Fair play to Paul. I mean, ex-Arsenal and all that. I know he's a Chelsea fan, but ex-Arsenal. And literally, he was the only one on that day that stood up, 
stood up for himself, basically, in terms of that, in that moment. Fucking Mike Dean giving a big and old, uh, how do we improve? Do we bring X players in? No, because you, you five here clearly don't know the rules. And number four just sat there giggling. And, he's, and Paul just went, huh, what? And put him in his place. Like, shut up. Show respect. Obviously, players, bring X players and you train them. I mean, I keep I refer back to it in rug, in terms of rugby. I know don't, they don't use that players, but they've had tech for how many years in that sport That'd in rugby awesome. union? It's it's ridiculous how long it's been in it's been in play. It's flawless, like you're saying, and the people in the actual room itself with with the tech aren't referees. They're not officials. They're not. They don't go from pitch to computer room. These are people they've thought that have been hired by the powers that be, trained. To a level where they know the rules inside out, used to the tech as well, and they basically they're just there as a referral for the referee, the on-field official. We've seen it in this World Cup. I've watched, I watched the Rugby World Cup at the moment, and it's it's like it's always been. It's literally if the referee misses something, you're you're here on the screen suddenly. Oh, by the way, da 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 da. Red number five has made an illegal challenge on blue number eight or whatever. But and, and just to just to confirm that this is the case, stop the obviously ref stops the game, stops the clocks. There's no time. There's no game being the time hasn't been eaten into what eaten into while this is all going on. Time's off. Right, he's gonna. I'm gonna show you this now. This is the angle. It's the best angle for you. Da, 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 da. You decide what you're gonna do on the, the to the ref and the ref sees it. Okay, with his officials come next to him, they have a chat back and forth on the big screen. Everyone else in the stadium hears and sees what's going on as well. There's no, there's all, it's complete transparency, and nine times out of ten, as I say, it's flawless, and the the right decision, the right decision comes to, to the end, but it's the official on the pitch that comes to the outcome. But you just get it's the text there to help, whereas, it just seems, especially in the Premier League, it just seems like the text there, and it's okay, it's just been, it's been, it's been implemented wrong. It's these, it's. I've always said it needs to go down the route of how how, they, how it's used in rugby in terms of you don't have an official that you to say you get people in, you hire people in to train up on the rules, get used to the tech, and they're just there as a referral to the to the match on on field official, and the, the official then makes the decision. All all the guys there in the rooms to do is like just just point out that you might have missed something. This is what it is, or even sometimes the referee goes to him and says. I want to give a goal in terms of in terms of rugby. I want to give a try, but I want to make sure it's grounded. It's completely legal. Nothing for passes. No legal challenges to the build up. Whatever. Can you just show me the best angles for X, Y, and Z? And it's that it's that it's that simple. It's so it's so simply. It's been again. It's been like that for what twenty odd years now. It feels like maybe longer. Yeah, it has been longer actually. Um, where as I say, we're is like batting. A, it's so again. It's, a, it's so frustrating that. We're five, six years into using the Premier League, and they're, they're so reluctant to try anything else. It's just they want. It seems like they just want to force us to have this system in place. It's never going to, never, it's never going to change. Oh, because I caught a bit, bit of that show before, we, before going live earlier, about seven when it started, and it was, oh, we learned from we learned from the Tottenham Liverpool game. We, we we're being more calm now. We're talking. We're making sure that. What, but that's what I mean. We shouldn't be at that place five, six years down the line where a game of that magnitude was 
decided on decided on miscommunication. Communication to this at this point, communication should not be an issue. So again, as I say, it, should, it needs to go. I think it needs to go down that route because, as I say, it's, it's over twenty years of that twenty years of rugby, and it's just like um, Spencer just said, it's it's used flawlessly in the game from day one. There's never been an issue. You know the I'm thing. Saying, Go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say. Uh, no, you go first, guys, because you're probably going to talk about something more relevant about that. No, you're, you're okay. Um, the thing with the rugby also is when you watch Rugby Union, and maybe even Rugby League, I can't really speak from them as well, but Rugby Union, you absolutely – the ref still refs the game. Yeah. We're like, hey, you might want to look at this. And then he'd be like, give me this angle, give me that angle. Um, was this needed? Like, they still – technically ref it so i don't know when it comes to var in england if you know michael oliver's like oh you want to check it oh okay you think it's good like instead of him being like well not i saw what i saw let me go see at the monitor oh you guys think it's a red well i don't i'm sticking with my decision i don't know if there's that empowerment for the refs on the field right mm. i think that they get that phone call from var and they're like var is right okay i yeah. missed it and they, I don't think they use their discernment. So that's just my opinion on that. I don't know how empowered the refs are. Like Liam mentioned this earlier, they've gotten lazy. I 100% believe that. They rely yeah. on the technology more. Um, you know, it, it it's it's definitely – but we, rugby union is the way to go, man. I, I mean, there's there's not a more efficient-ran refereeing that I – I mean, I don't know what the NFL does because they don't let us hear it and all that stuff. And I saw Major League Baseball recently at the minor league level. They can challenge balls and strikes. And they actually have that technology. And the pitcher, the catcher, the batter has to make the call. And they hit it and boom. And then they see it immediately on the screen five seconds later, confirms or denies it. Obviously, that's cut and dry. But, you know, there's a lot of emotion in these games and a lot of money in stack and and people's livelihoods. And I wish Michael Oliver had been like, nah, I didn't think it was a red. That's why I gave me y'all. Just stick to your guns. I would respect Mm -hmm. that answer more than what we got. What we yeah, got was like, yeah, we don't want to affect the impact of the game, you know, as opposed to Michael Oliver. But look, I just don't think it's a red, uh, yeah, a red card. I could respect that. I can't respect what we got. I love it. I love what's going on now. I love it that they're coming out and exposing. Yeah. I think I think it's been a long time coming. It's like I remember going. I remember Burnley game a few years ago, and I'll tell you what, right? Was it Burnley? Yeah, Sean Dyche. I think it was Burnley. I, it might be West Sean Burnley. Was Burnley. Now I'm just thinking if it was Burnley, but it was one game. Yeah, right that. We absolutely got screwed over in, and I think we ended up drawing the game one all away. It was in February a few years ago, and we should have blatant. It was penalty, blatant penalties and everything. And I honestly, I had to go to bed after the game. It was only about half two in the afternoon. It was a twelve thirty game because I was that angry at what I watched. I could not believe what I watched that day. There was blatant handballs. There was blatant fouls in the box, and they just weren't giving it. And like, oh. We're just used to this now. We're used to this. But back in the day, there'd be silence. You know what I mean? There would be nothing. But now what they're doing is they're getting certain people in into TV and all that. And I think they're screwing themselves over. And I think they're exposing themselves. Take Mike Dean, for example, right? What he come out with in terms of, obviously, that he protected a ref. I've seen Mike Dean, yeah, right? First hand. This is first hand. London Derby on a Monday night. Jump into the North Bank before the game. And was talking to someone that he knew for fifteen for ten to fifteen minutes. 
Now, mind you, yeah, right, that's a North London, no, it wasn't North London, it was Arsenal, I think it was Arsenal Palace a couple of years ago. Mind you, this is a, a refereeing official who's supposed to be impartial, and he was sitting in the North Bank talking to someone that he knew for 10 to 15 minutes, and I could not believe it. I've probably still got a picture of it on my phone that I was that shocked by it. And it, it, this is what this is what they've been allowed to get away with over the years. This is what they've been allowed to get away with over the years. So it, it doesn't surprise me when you put Mike Dean on TV, the answers you're going to get from Mike Dean. Because it is the Mike Dean. It was always the Mike Dean show, weren't it? It wasn't about who was playing the game. It was about how Mike Dean would go and get, how he would give a yellow card or how he would yeah. talk to someone. Like, they've been a lord to themselves for so long now, and they've not been managed. And that all stems, in my opinion, from the Mike Riley days. From Ever since yeah. Mike Riley has been allowed to be in control of, of, the, of this authority, it's gone totally downhill. He's gone absolutely, totally downhill. And I thought Howard Webb would do better if I'm being totally honest. Sure. I don't know why, but I thought, you know what? He might bring a he might bring a little bit of kind of discipline back into the game. And when he got rid of Lee Mason, I thought, you know what? Fair enough. I don't think there needed to be anything else. Like, I don't want to replay because that's not the way you go down. That's not the way to go yeah. down. You've just got to accept that that you you've not won the game because of a bad a bad VAR decision. But to then give him a job in a different role, I lost total faith. From that moment, I lost total faith for Howell Webb. And I just think he's making things much, much worse now. And I don't I don't, I don't, don't see where he goes from here, if I'm being totally honest. I, I really don't. I just think, I just think that the, the decision-making and what they're doing on a, on a week-to-week basis is getting worse, not better. I thought it was bad two years ago. But I think this season, already, we've seen the worst mistakes ever. Hmm. Very yep. consequential mistakes, you know, and, and it's like going back to our Brentford game last year. How do you forget to draw the lines? Like how? It's yeah. it's just it, it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. I I say this segue comment. I'm intrigued to see what happens next. I'm intrigued to see what their reaction is because they're showing they don't know how to make proper. I mean, you just stick to your guns. I mean. You, if at least you're wrong, admit you're wrong. But like some of this stuff, man, like that most recent one from Michael Oliver, like I still can't believe that that was like your job is to rough it. If this is the thing too, you got 22 players on the pitch. If someone screws up, then it's going to have an impact on the game. Imagine like, oh, we're just going to not count that goal because that guy didn't mean to kick the ball in the back of the net accidentally, right? You know, like at the end of the day, if a guy commits a foul and he's late and it's a challenge, you could potentially hurt someone. You got to punish them. That's part of the game. It's part of the story. That's what we're there to watch. Yeah, we want to see 11 on 11, but we also want to see people held accountable when they can potentially injure someone. So, yeah. Well, that can say about, we'll keep rolling, money. That can say about, like, you get rid of a Mike Dean, you get a Paul Tierney. You get rid of a Paul Tierney. Do you know what I mean? You'll just continue. Like, I don't, I actually think Michael Oliver is one of the best refs in the league. Like, he's definitely deserves to be like one of the, officials in terms of international officials because I think he is one mm. of the best re- like refs in the league and I think he's he's had a bit of a mare on Sunday but I don't believe yeah right that he's had a mare by his own decision making and I think it's pretty much been admitted now that he's been told to go on that field and basically not make a decision mm. that's where I believe this has come I don't believe yeah. it's Michael Oliver mm. Michael Oliver Michael Oliver I but reckon 
wanted to get, he knew he needed to get the second yellow card out. Michael Oliver is not afraid to not get the yellow card out. We've seen that with Martinelli. Oh, yeah. I mention that. This is, this is the same referee that yep. gave Martinelli double yellow in the space of two seconds for 2,030 seconds. We didn't, when, by the way, just a bit of context for anyone that's, uh, can't remember. This is Arsenal versus Wolves, two seasons to go at Wolves with one nil up. Uh, a foul was committed by Martinelli, but the play goes on. He then quits another foul. So the game hasn't stopped. The card hasn't been given yet. So far as Martinelli's concerned, he hasn't been booked yet. He's not on a yellow card. But straight away, bang. Oh, because you've done that there, you're bang and you're off. <laughs> and it's like, so he, he has history where he, as he's, where he can, where he, he does make random to, uh, choices, so we say. Um, but yeah, as you say, he's, he's he meant to be one of our best. And yeah, it could, it could be a case where he has been told, like we mentioned earlier about Mark Housley and his comments previously, um, where he, maybe he has been told about the, the, the text here. Don't worry. Don't have to, don't rush to anything. We'll protect you no matter what. And we've seen it tonight with it, by the looks of it with Howard Webb. As I said, and guys, going back before we've got things up, like, going back to that, the John Motson, the John Moss thing. Sorry, John Motson, John Moss thing. It's more. It's more the way it was announced to us publicly. It wasn't even done by them officially. It was by the back door via the media. That it, leaked, it leaked out the day before the season started, and then, and then they're. The, what makes it even more bizarre of all that is the opening night as well. Man City, Burnley for Man City, and they do a, they do a piece on the new on Howard Webb and what he's done in the summer, where the, 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 the pigeon the HQ where they're based now. They all got a new coffee machine, or all, all the all the lads have a good coffee and this that and the other. I'm like, I don't care. I just want to know. That, I just want to know they're trained up and in, and competent enough to do their jobs this season. Yeah. But no, the, 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 we see it. With, I mean, I do match a day every Saturday on here, and we see it even in highlight form. The amount of blatant, I say as it is, corruption in in, term, in certain games is unbelievable. The consistency is one. It goes from one one extreme to the other, and it's just it's not going to get any better under Howard Webb. Personally, as I say, I said earlier, it needs to be a complete rip, rip out. Like the whole system needs to be eradicated, and we need a whole new system where someone, not an ex ref, but someone who, know, who know, makes the rules, knows the rules inside out, it's, isn't isn't going to overcomplicate, over um, extend the rules and complicate things, if you will. Just basic rules, set them in stone, and bring in a, a, a crop of officials to learn them rules and get into a standard and if they do make mistakes don't give them a week don't give them a week off basically you know stuff like this don't do it again have proper proper consequences to their actions maybe maybe after they should go down the route of when something something not i will say controversial in the sense of if they've made an error put them put them straight after the game in front, of the, in front of the BT or Sky cameras or the BBC cameras, and without any any say so in what from the Howard Webb, explain yourself, explain what, how you came to that decision on the pitch straight after the game. Have 
give us something in terms of transparency that we believe them instead of it being game over, get, get, get ourselves washed and all that, go back home and all that, and Howard Webb tells us what we got to say, what the, what the party line is this week for our mistake. Don't worry, don't, don't worry Dermot or Mike Dean's going to cover us in the sky or whoever on D, TNT, whatever. It, there needs to be so much more transparency. And like Stefan says here, he, he says, oh, um, I think referees should be mic'd up like they are, like they are in rugby. So, and with that, sell what they're doing in rugby. They've been doing for like 20, over 20 years. Sell little uh, like mini walkmans, if you will, with with um, headphones. So the people in the stadium, the fans in the stadium, the ones that are paying to go to these games as well, can hear the back and forth as well, clear and concise, and they know then what's going on. So everyone's happy. And people at home, have them have them tuned up as well when it comes to VR, when they're checking VAR. So we so we don't have to wait for these international breaks to do a one off show with Michael Rowan, the most blunt object in the world, by the way. Yeah. Who doesn't really challenge Howard Webb. Let's be honest, it's just it's just a platform for Howard Webb to tell his BS basically. We, things like that. If, if you can if they start making those sort of changes, implement things like that. And is and we but we start seeing improvement on the pitch, cool. But for, whilst it stays like this, it's not going to get any better. And we're as as pain fans of not just Arsenal fans, Burnley, Palace, them not down the road, United, City, etc., or Luton, we're all going to believe that the, about the corruption. We're all going to keep telling that line. There's corruption at the highest order until no. they until they prove different. Do you know what I think they should do? Right, I think they need to strip this right back, if I'm being totally honest. Yeah. I think, right, they should just use VAR for the moment, yeah, right, for... for like, we, we have to admit, there are some positives on VAR. Like, if we didn't have VAR, we would have beat Manchester United. <laughs> if we're being totally honest, you know what I mean? Mm. But this is where I think they need to put the... This is what, why, in my opinion, is why what they need to do. To firstly put the responsibility back on the Lionos and the, the referees... Do you know what I mean? So I think they should just use VAR for offside goals at the moment. Nothing else. If the referee doesn't. If the referee sorry, doesn't. Even, sorry, even with that, use the use the tech that UEFA use. So it's it's there's no if buts or maybes. It's one hundred percent what the tech saying. It shows you exactly how offside or how onside they are. Yeah. But don't do you know what I would I would say? Yeah, right. Take a penalty decisions out of it and everything. If the ref don't give a penalty, the ref don't give a penalty. Do you know what I mean? The Lino don't give it for whatever reason. The Lino don't give it. Like it's become a farce. Like we see every week. Some like remember the handball fiasco. At one point, everything was a handball. I yeah. think by using VAR for so many different things, yeah, right, it's taking the whole responsibility away from the referee. You might as well just put a robot on the pitch. Mm-hmm. That's what you might as well do now. Yeah. Is put robots on the pitch, yeah, right. And, and, and let, let them referee games. In my opinion, I think we should strip it right back. I think we should use VAR for, for offside goals only at the moment, put the responsibility back on the referees and the line linos. If they don't give a penalty, they don't give a penalty. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's what that's what it used to be. Like, it, it, how much time does it waste as well? Do you know what I mean? Like, I just think it's pointless. I think it's pointless. And you're sitting there for minutes, 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 not even unsure what's going on, do you know what I mean, in, in the ground. Yeah. So that's criminal in itself right there, Liam, that you guys that go to the games don't see what's happening or see replays. Like no, over, over in the States, no, I, even, I go to minor league games. I'm talking like we would consider them probably lower elite one. And there's replay up on the screen for anything. I'm hot hockey, 
basketball, all that stuff. We see all the replays. Um, and, that, and that's the thing, too. And, and I think you mentioned it earlier about them not refing the game. I really want to know, like, hey, when they send that ref to that monitor, is he allowed to disagree with the VAR room? I really want to know that. Because if, if you're not going to – if why send him to the monitor if he's not going to be empowered to stick by his original decision? That's what I – because I haven't seen one happen like that yet. Palace of Aston Villa this year was one Did of the it first. Happen? It's happened this year. Um, okay, okay. The, ref, the referee got sent over to not give the penalty for Aston Villa. Um, and that was Darren England again, weren't it, funnily enough? Darren England, yeah. And he went over and he stuck with his decision. And I think it's, I, I actually think it's only the second time that it's happened in the Premier League. I've only, I think it's only the second One time that's happened. season as well. Yeah. Um, and it does make me think, do they do that just to make out that? Sure. That just to, just, just to show, do you know what I mean? There is the, there is the possibility that the referee will go over there. Like, I, I, I think everything, it's not done by percentages because it's literally 0.1% that they've done that and they're 99% that they haven't done that. But I just think they need, I think they need to put the responsibility back on the referees. Like These guys are getting paid a lot of money, aren't they? Let's be honest. They're not making decisions. and They're, not, they're just not doing what they need to do. Um, and they've got worse with VAR, not better. I think VAR, the tool, is a superb thing. But I don't think it's been thought out correctly. And I think they've tried to do too much too soon. And I think what they should have done was embedded VAR just for things like offsides and then try to increase on it. And I think half the referees probably... Uh, I think the problem is half the referees are too scared to make a decision now. And then VAR, I reckon they're caught flapping at times. I reckon they sit there. Then they realise that they've been told that they've got 30 seconds to make a decision and they're probably nervous as anything to make the right. I reckon, I reckon now that it's got to a point where they're probably nervous. I reckon they're sitting in that in that, in, in that VAR box nervous in terms of, oh, I've got to make a decision now. I've got to make the right one. And I think that's when you start seeing things like the line's not going down because it, it, they, they're just totally nervous in there and it's human error. Do I think someone deliberately don't put the line like that line down? No, I don't because I think it'd be too obvious. I just think there's incompetence. It is incompetence at the end of the day. It has yeah. to be. Don't attribute it to malice, which you can uh, determine as incompetence. Um, but it's a, it's a who knows? It's a mixture of both at this point. But yeah, the the not being able to draw the lines, the being calm and cool under pressure, the referee. It's kind of like a teacher in a classroom, right? The teacher in the classroom is supposed to have control at all times, no matter what the situation is. Um, the referee is expected to have the same control. And if you don't have the calm, cool collectiveness to make the right decision or even do your job competently, then you need to look for another line of work. But the problem is mm -hmm. who's going to hold them accountable. And when they make statements like that was made earlier tonight, it's hard to really sit there and have faith in the system, right? But this also goes to all facets of life, right? There's not much faith in any systems in general at this point. So, you know, football is that release, but when you're, you know, it's, it's hard to really, I would rather lose by not being good enough as opposed to lose by a referee decision. Right. At the end oh, of the absolutely. day, we can sit there and be like, yep, we weren't good enough. We, we didn't do what we were supposed to do, but you know, like last year with the Brentford game, like that, we were in such a critical race at that point. Every point matters when you're chasing man city, even Liverpool, yeah. whoever you're chasing, and those two points dropped. I mean, did it make a difference in the end? No, but it makes your perception going into games different, right? If you're down one point versus four points, you still think you got a shot. You we know? could have been more confident going into that Man City game now we beat Brentford. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like we we could have we could have fucked it up, but we never know. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I I don't think we I think we would have gone on and won that game. I mean, so like you know what it's like. You think that we're fans, yeah? Right? I remember like for days after just having that sinking feeling again, and we're all sitting there thinking it's going to cost us. It's going to cost us. So if we're thinking that. Don't tell me the players are not thinking that. You know I mean, oh, yeah, they're humans. Yeah, they're humans. Well, they're thinking that. They're feeling injustice. And the worst thing is, when you have injustice, you then start chasing things. And they they, they, they probably started then thinking we're going to have to chase getting them two points back. And that puts more pressure on on the team. Um, yeah. And I think I don't think it was like obviously William Saliba getting like I believe the selection at Port um, Sport in Lisbon was the reason why we we failed quite badly in the end. Um, and it, obviously, I didn't think the Salibra should have started that game whatsoever. But Agreed. you you do you look at them that you look at that you look at that Brentford decision, and it would have had a mental effect on them players. They would have felt angry going into training on Monday, knowing that someone just didn't put a blind down, which was blatantly offside. And I think I don't think we'd have won the league at the end of the day because of it. But I think we I think we'd have, we we could have got into that Man City game a little bit more confident. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't help. That's the problem. It didn't help, and it, it didn't help to think about it now. And you know, Liverpool's going through what they're going through, and yeah, they they feel good. They should be. Let's be honest. I mean, Liverpool should be top of the league with us at the moment. Like they would have gone on and beat Spurs in that game. That goal gets given, in my opinion. Like Spurs should be on seventeen points, and Liverpool should be on. T- it should be t- Liverpool on twenty points. Facts. That's yeah. you're not you're not inaccurate at all, and it's. You know, at the end of the day, like even if your rival finds a way to win, I because like you know, like you just want things to be right. Even this is about sports, about equal playing field, right? When you you send kids out to play young sports, you want them to be on an equal playing field. Of course, the ability is different, but you don't want them to be at a disadvantage when they go out there, right? Outside of just ability, mm. so it's it's tough, and it's um, I, I mean, like I said earlier, God knows what the next decision is going to be, because it's going to happen. It is going to happen. Oh, there'll be loads more. I think it'll get worse. It will definitely get worse before it gets better. And um, yeah. I just, I don't know. Like, do, are, are we feeling any better? Listen, like it doesn't, but like it shouldn't bother me because we've got him on the game. And as I said, like, yeah. I'm happy he didn't get a red card because no one can sit there now and go to us where he wasn't. He weren't, he weren't eleven against eleven, so I'm happy he didn't do it. But yeah. as you said, we've been on the other side of it with Brentford, and that could have easily been a Brentford moment if Man City had gone on one one nil in say the 88th minute of that game on on Sunday, all us three would be sitting here for the whole show focusing on that Kovacic red card. Yeah. And that's all they would have talked on Talk Sport and the boobies and the Rod Rory Jennings and all those lot. They would that's all they would have talked about. As well, yeah. yeah, Arsenal won, but they it was down to 10 men and you know Rod Rodri wasn't there and De Bruyne wasn't there. Well you know, it is what it is. But do you know what? Saka weren't there. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, Thomas Party's not fully fit. Thomas Party's not fully fit. They yeah. can throw that out, can't they? Because if we have our strongest team, Party and Saka play, and they have Rodri and De Bruyne, so it, it's two on two, isn't it? Like, don't yeah. get me wrong, De Bruyne is an incredible player. I, I absolutely love him as a player. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I think he's the very best in the Premier League, but you can only beat what's in front of you, and I, I think we can. And I think we can beat them. Even with it, with them in the team, that's, that's my belief now. Absolutely. Well, yeah, especially going forward, as, as it's mentioned, as mentioned earlier, I think the Etihad, the, the Etihad fixture coming forward later on in the season, that's going to be an interesting one now because now our players have even more belief that we can beat this team and obviously go to toe, etc. 
and depending on the circumstances, even the draw, I'll take the fucking draw actually, to be honest, and just go with it. But we'll see what we'll see how the damn lies come then. But don't we'll get too far ahead of ourselves. But we are going to wrap things up because we have been going for what need just over two and a half hours, and me and Neil need some beauty sleep because it is dark, half ten in the evening. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, my wife just came in and gave me a look. So, yeah, I appreciate cool. you having me on, Ryan. I really do. It's nice meeting you, Liam. Yeah, nice uh, meeting you as well, mate. It's been a pleasure. Name in the chat. So, um, yeah, pleasure having you on. Thanks for coming on as well, and then and Liam as well. And you know what? Two and a half hours doesn't seem that seem that long, and I've enjoyed every second of it. It's been fun, and it hasn't been dragged. And I think we've the conversation has been flowing, and the topics, yeah, the topics are what we need to talk about in terms of not just the game itself, but obviously the last half hour. So it's been with the uh, the officiate of this country and the, the VAR and all that. We, it has to be it needed to be touched on. We touched on it, and but yeah, it is from our perspective as fans and other people, other fans. We'll give their opinions and we'll go, we'll, have to, we'll go from that. But but as I say, me and Liam need our beauty, beauty sleep for the, for the time ahead and all that. It is late now. And obviously, little Bobby will be up in a few hours' time, giving Liam hell. Cheers and reminding me about that. <laughs> <laughs> Even though he's talking now, it's like he's starting to talk. Yeah, he's starting to talk. He is growing. He's, he's massively growing. So it's all good. And he has his bottle every morning and watches the. Um, well, he's been watching the Arsenal Man City game for the last couple of days, funny enough. I saw the post you put on Twitter. I was like, yeah, he's just, he's just there. He's just sits there. He's fully focused. Just watching it. Just watching it. He's got... Since that Fulham game last season, he's, he's fully he's like focused now. He watched that whole half, I am concerned, though. When he when he's actually starts talk, talking, walking and all that, he's going to do a U and watch, come a, do a watch song <laughs> a couple of years' time. And he'll do a U. <laughs> just a quick one um spencer arsenal aston villa last year obviously when Jorginho scored um yeah. i actually weren't on the show that day but i had bobby and i was looking after him and we scored and i literally screamed and he was only what was he about 10 months old at the time and he literally i went so mad that he literally cried his eyes out and we I finally stopped him after about five minutes then martinelli went clean through and i just literally broke out again and the poor kid was then crying for about another 20 minutes um but he's used to it now. He's used to it now. He he, he don't seem to cry anymore. Think about this, Liam. You get all those moments with him as he keeps growing up and all that stuff, and that's going to be the special moments. Like I got a fifteen-year-old, and we want the the uh, the Bournemouth win last year, man. Like that's oh. I'll never, you'll never forget moments like that. Yeah. And it's it's fun, man. And that's that's what sports about. It's about having fun, enjoying it with your family, enjoying it with your friends, and do why not? I mean, have fun with it, man. They're only young yeah. once. Trust me. Yeah, no, good advice. Good advice. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing, guys. Enjoy the little wins, man. Like, enjoy these yeah. moments, you know? Like, we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but, you know, we're guaranteed at least today right now. Absolutely. Yep, Stefan, we all remember. It was, such a, it was such a regular thing on here that we had people from Australia around Christmas coming on just to see a crying baby. <laughs> England versus, who was it, in the World Cup? Senegal. Literally and 10 so seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think I think the concerning thing is that I've deep down Stefan enjoyed it as well. I think that's the most concerning part of it. Enjoy seeing some baby pull ball in his eyes out. Yeah, I think he's not the only one. I think um, <laughs> the way it came, it came such a thing on his channel. Stefan just likes seeing me angry. To be fair, yeah, as I see, I was just put his gone up before. He's like. 
I'm waiting, waiting for the halo to drop on Liam. Where's his rant? Because me and Liam didn't rant today, really. So he's, he's a bit disappointed he didn't get his daily doses ranting. But um, go, go to United. You might get that United this season a few times. Oh, dear. But yeah, with that, as I say, thanks everyone in the chat as well for taking part. There's a few new faces we've seen as well. And the ones that obviously popped out, ducked out early because earlier on because obviously work life and this, that and the other. Or, well, yeah. Um, but yeah, the audio for this will be up in about half hour's time once it downloads, but might be, might be a bit longer because it's a longer show this week. Um, but yeah, Liam, before we go, your shows this week, what have you come, what have you come up in your channel? Yeah, I've got a show Thursday. I feel like I've just done the whole essay of obviously Arsenal Man City, but obviously I'll have a few guests. Well, I'll have four or five guests on Thursday just to go through it all again. Um, but I'll be hosting it, so it'll be more their opinions than myself. But yeah, that's what will be going on this week. Yeah, that's cool. And again, I'll be in I'll be in the chat for that, obviously watching that and doing what I always do. Um when I'm not on there. Um but if you haven't already go and check that out, I'll put I will put a link. Once you've got that up on the day, I'll put the link in the community post and all that and do what I can to promote that as well for you. Uh Bobby is awesome. He has <laughs> the biggest grin I've ever seen. <laughs> best grin. He has got the best grin. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Oh, especially your, your latest photos as well. Like, when, what was it? Um, was it last? Was it last week? Bournemouth. Yeah, the Bournemouth selfie after we beat Bournemouth. You and you and Bobby, and he's just there. Like, I don't think it was Bournemouth. I, I was away from Bournemouth. I don't know what game that was. Oh, it might. Oh, 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 Everton. 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 That's the one. Yeah, that was the day. Yeah. That was. And even on Sunday, even though you, even though obviously you was you was on your way down the Emirates and all that, you got you. Uh, he was already out and he's, he was at home in his little kit getting ready for the game. Yep, yeah, the instruction yeah. was that he needs to be wearing his Arsenal kit, massive game. And we won. And we won. It's going to be mental that obviously at some point we're going to win the league and he'll be like one, two, three, whatever that is. We've been waiting for 20 odd years. I know. He, comes, he comes along, total challenge, first time around. He never <laughs> realised how hard work it was. <laughs> the graft. He never realised the shit times. <laughs> Hopefully, that's what he won't have to go through it like we did. But then again, he's never seen an invincible season either. Yet, that's what. Yeah. Oh, here we go. He's <laughs> here. We go. No, I'm not. I'm not saying. Not saying nothing. I'm just. <laughs> I'm, I'm not jinxing nothing. Take it game by game. See what happens. Yeah, I'm not saying this season. It'd be. It'd be fucking freaky if it did. Ain't it, ain't it twenty years as well this year? This, this, 20, this season is 20th anniversary, hence the home kit. Oh, could you imagine? No, I'm not imagining. No, don't say, don't say. <laughs> if you want to imagine, you game do it on Sports FC, that's how you imagine. Just do it on yeah. that. Yeah. No, so. exactly. But as I say, big thank you to Spencer as well. Obviously, your debut on the podcast. Thanks a lot, a lot of good points made as well and hope to have you on again soon. Yeah, do you uh, mind if I give a plug real quick for myself? Yeah, go on there, knock yourself out, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Bronco and VA9986 is the YouTube channel. Um, I do Arsenal. I do American football as well. Um, I put pictures. I do videos of cats. It's pretty much a, a, a well-rounded channel. It's just my wife comes on sometimes and we talk, and you're going to get a lot of everything on my channel. But I'm thinking this Thursday I'm probably going to be doing a watch-along with my hapless Denver Broncos versus the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not going to watch the whole game, but I'm going to do a little bit of the game on Thursday night when I have a free moment. But, again, i I go on Gooner Gathering. Uh, Ryan, mm. thanks for asking me on today. It was a pleasure. Uh, Liam, it was a pleasure meeting you as well. And, um, you know, I'm on Twitter, Arsenal9986. You 
you ever want to talk sports or anything, just hit me up, man. I'm approachable. So. No worries. And again, that's a that's a thank you to both of you. And yeah, um, for myself, in terms of content-wise, I say Liam's doing anything on Thursday, so I won't be doing anything on Thursday because obviously I don't want anything clashing. And I think that's what all you guys go over to support his channel as well. Um, if I haven't already, I think now, probably see me again on, was it Sunday, the WSL, Arsenal v Villa in the uh, WSL at the Emirates. As it stands for as it stands as we speak is around just over thirty thousand tickets have been sold for that, so you can still get your tickets if you want to go to that on go to the Emirates on Sunday. There's no men's football in terms of club wise, so guys go down if you can go down and support the girls. If you can't, come here. You, the next best thing is on here, where it's just, you'll see me and a few other people get obviously covering the game. Hopefully, the girls get their first win of the season and start pushing up that table and kicking on for the season now. Um. I think apart from that, might do a bit. Of, oh, Thursday, that's actually Thursday. And she'll be doing a podcast on here, but I won't be. But that's what time is your podcast, Liam? I'll find it. I'll find it. That should be done by then, but yeah. Um, so hopefully, it won't be that. It should be that clash in clash on that side of things, but yeah. And she'll be doing a podcast where her and her, her, and her guests will be basically coming on discussing the women's game from last, last uh, Friday against Man United. The pros and cons from that game. Um, obviously, they touched on Sunday's game. Emerson has been in the chat as well. He'll he'll give his segment on the youth, uh, the updates on the youth team on under twenty ones, nineteens, eighteens, etc. And yeah, especially after tonight's result, five nil that finished. By the way, five nil. Ferdinand with two of the goals. I believe, if I'm correct, I believe the Ferdinand uh, Ferdinand is actually, I think his nephew or his son. To Les Ferdinand, which is bizarre because he's in Les Ferdinand's a top, ex Tottenham player and all that, but I, think, I believe that's the case. Don't hold me to it. I heard it somewhere, but um, yeah. So look forward that that'll be up and running. And once I get a time for that from you guys, for you guys, I'll let you know in the community post and on social media as well. So keep an eye out for that all. We'll try. Well, obviously, as I say, I think it, it will be done, started and finished before Liam goes live. So do as I say, go and support Liam on his channel as well, and Spencer on his channel, etc. As well. Um, aside from that, as I say, the audio for this, if you've missed any of it, want to listen to it on on the go instead of obviously having to sit down and watch it or listen on the go on while you're moving about in about life and all that. Audio about half hour, forty minutes would be up running, and yeah, check out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the other podcasts. Uh, platforms and apps are out there at the moment at this moment in time and help do spread the word on that side of things as well because last time i checked last week uh, in terms of audio podcasts from an arsenal point of view we are now in the top nine gone from 10th to 9th in the ranking so slowly getting up the table slowly good complete competition to push out but we'll see on that um aside from that guys take care of yourselves and we'll see you soon as always up the arsenal come on you guys <laughs>